There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie. I am your host, Eduardo, and this show, we're talking all about the Avengers Age of Ultron, and I have assembled a radically revolutionary group of robots to be on this episode with me first beep, beep, boop, boop, beep boop 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 is right that's the sound lord himself we're gonna switch it up this time sound lord's going first uh, what's up sound lord i shouldn't have booped <laughs> chris what's going on buddy hey i'm just just hanging out booting, totally doing human things not a robot there you go definitely you not. keep beeping and booping over there we've also got resident writer for all things squad up and assembly required robbie's in the house robbie what's going on buddy hey uh revolutionary robot is my favorite leonardo dicaprio movie <laughs> he should have won the oscar for that one i agree and also hailing all the way from peachville it's peaches himself peaches yo affirmative <laughs> zero 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 one zero 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 one okay that's not <laughs> that's not our property i can't do that um, and I thought I saw a two. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, today we're talking all about Avengers Age of Ultron, everyone's least favorite Avengers movie. Uh, so <laughs> I, I guess we've already ruined the show. So sorry. Can I do about that, that loud enough? Hold on. Let me do it again in, in ASMR. <gasps> <laughs> to be fair, at this point in history, there's only two Avengers movies. You're right. Them, and it's still everyone's least favorite. Oh. I was trying to be. Positive. I would argue Civil War is a better Avengers movie than this movie. Civil War doesn't um, exist yet. All right. Well, in the future, it will. This is a retrospective. The it distant future. No, that's not ours. About that we on can't the do that. Episode. <laughs> it's time to talk about some of the characters that are going to be introduced in this movie, starting with the villain Ultron himself. Robbie, what's Ultron all about? Uh, so Ultron is one of the most important Marvel villains, one of the most threatening Marvel villains, one of my absolute favorite comic book villains. So I was really excited to see him show up on screen and we will discuss my feelings on how that turned out as we go on. Uh, but anyway, Ultron, uh, first appeared in Avengers number 54. Uh, at the time it was not revealed. It was revealed in a, in a, um, a recap in a future issue, but he was created by Hank Pym, otherwise known as Ant-Man. To be sort of a um, an AI robot defender, and uh, Hank Pym was just messing with AI, and you know fucked us all when it screwed up. Um, Ultron ended up hypnotizing Hank Pym to make him forget that he had been built, and went and built himself a better body. Cr uh, had a crush on Hank Pym's wife, Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp, and went on to kind of constantly antagonize the Avengers. His first appearance he hypnotized the uh, butler jarvis into helping him catch the avengers though jarvis eventually broke free and got another uh, forgettable superhero called the black knight to help rescue the avengers um and then that was just became ultron this theme of he would disappear they'd destroy his body he'd come back with a stronger body um and a bigger threat and one of the things i've always liked about ultron is it's this constant escalation like there's some 
more recent Ultron issues where he straight up literally murders entire countries just to antagonize the Avengers and try and bring, you know, get them to uh, come out to play. So a very, very, very high level threatening uh, supervillain. He is an android with advanced intelligence, um, lots of superpowers, super strength, ability to fly, ability to uh, uh, distort reality and shoot lasers, lots of cool things. Um, very hard uh, and, and was very important that he ended up being on film because he was such a yes <laughs> because he was such an important villain um, to the comic pages uh, the movie got its name from a 2013 event um, a crossover called age of Ultron uh, which takes place in an alternate universe where Ultron actually ends up conquering uh, the planet uh, that had no influence on the film whatsoever uh, so that's Ultron he is the uh, the namesake of the film um, one of the biggest Marvel villains finally on screen here. Uh, and we have two very important Ooh. Avengers. Yeah, go ahead. Can I yes. tell you my favorite Ultron story from the yeah. comics? All right. So in the Savage Lands, which are which is a, uh, a, a, a nature preserve in Antarctica mm -hmm. created by aliens millions of years As ago where dinosaurs still live. Um, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl had to use a reprogrammed Doombot to defeat... Ultron, who had taken the form of a gigantic T-Rex. A giant T-Rex Ultron. I want that in this movie. It's, yeah, yeah. I didn't get it. That is uh, that is my favorite. Uh, there was literally a T-Rex that looked like Ultron, and it was amazing. All right. But, I like that's that. all I have to say. Comics. Ultron's wonderful. Super, super oh. important character. Um, one of the two, or probably one of the three most iconic Avengers villains, finally on screen. And also two of the most iconic uh, and yet controversial for their parole in the movies and their ability to be in the movies. Iconic Avengers were also introduced in this film, and these are superheroes eventually, uh, but Peaches, take it away on Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Robbie segued for me. I'm going to talk about things now. Wow. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about the Maximov twins. Um, I, and really none of us, are employed by any facet of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so we can call them mutants. But on no, you can't. screen... We're not allowed to call them mutants because Fox owned them at the time. I'm actually curious about this now that there's like the whole merger thing. If we will eventually uh, discover in the MCU that mutants are a thing, but we'll see what happens as time goes on. Um, so they're not mutants. When we meet them at the end of Winter Soldier, they are um, people that were genetically experimented on to try to protect their country, um, much like Cap. Uh, but in a different kind of way. Um, so they're kind of old. They debuted in X-Men 4. They were villains when they debuted. They were with Magneto. They were working for him. And um, it's kind of... Their their lineage has changed a lot over time, but famously what people sort of remember about these two is that Magneto turned out to be their father. He is actually not their father anymore. In like 2014, they totally disbanded that. And That's now their, their, their parents are just like, the Maximovs like they have like a TV show like the Goldbergs or something I don't know that's not true I made that last part up but <laughs> Magneto it turns out is not their father because we like rewriting stuff another thing that people weirdly remember I'm gonna skip ahead in the notes here a lot of <laughs> thing that people weirdly remember about them even though they might not know that much about the Maximov twins is that in the ultimate series they came out as being in a relationship sort of like uh, Cersei and Jamie Lannister they just you know kind of getting it on the side with, with each other. So remember that it's important. 
It's not important. Don't um, remember that. <laughs> both of them became Avengers. I bleep that. <laughs> Don't bleep that. It's important. <laughs> both of them became Avengers. We actually talked about this, um, I believe, in the original uh, part one Avengers episode when we were introducing Hawkeye yes. and Black Widow. Uh, because Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver joined the Avengers lineup with those two uh, when Captain America was leading them. So they were reformed villains, and uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch have both kind of gone back and forth in different ways since then. Quicksilver kind of just follows Scarlet Witch around most of the time and protects her, and it she kinda, does some crazy, crazy House of M stuff. It kind of depends Robbie on if they're in Avengers earlier. or if they're in X-Men. Like... They're, yeah. they're kind of dark when they're in X-Men and light when they're in Avengers. Yeah. Um, as far as their powers go, it's it's pretty apparent that uh, Quicksilver or P- Pietro, Pietro, Pietro Pietro Maximoff has super speed and Wanda just does whatever the hell she <laughs> wants to do. She she has hex powers. They call them hex powers, but she can do all sorts of weird stuff. She can like shoot hex missiles and create like barriers and she can also create illusions and whisper realities into people's ears uh there's just a lot of weird stuff that she can do i have a theory on why that's a thing you know like the whole lore of witches is that they like don't inherently have the magic they like learn the magic from spell books and that sort of thing so maybe that's why they went with scarlet witch because she just kind of learns things as she goes on like oh i can do this now and now i can do this and now I can remove all mutants from the planet. Like, maybe that's just a thing. I don't know. I don't know Didn't the lore. they, like, explain at one point, and I don't know if they ever kept with this because it makes no sense, but isn't her mutant power that she can manipulate probability or something yes, like that? Yes, yes, that's... She has one of those, too. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how a... that works. It uh, works how the plot... I mean, same thing with Domino. Yeah. Same I was thing say, with Domino, right? At least Domino is just, like, she's lucky, and that, I feel like that's easier to work with and understand than... Oh, Okay. Yeah. Maybe like maybe by maybe that much, <laughs> but Scarlet Witch's powers will kind of we'll see in the MCU, the rest of the MCU, they kind of change over time as well in the films to whatever they need her to be. And I'm going to talk more about that later. But for now, I'm going to let Chris talk about Vision because he's super cool. Oh, yeah. Vision. Got to love Vision. He debuted in Avengers 57 as an enemy synthesoid who is created by Ultron with the brain patterns of Wonder Man. And the body of the Human Torch, not the uh, not the Fantastic Four Human Torch, but uh, the robot f- Human Wait, Torch. Wonder Man. So, like the Wonder Man, the one that had a relationship with Scarlet Witch in the comic books. Simon. Is that Wonder Man that had a relationship in the comic books? Simon, whatever his last name is. Yeah. Wonder Man and Scarlet Witch had a relationship. I think that's true. Simon Williams. Yeah. I will find out. Yep, did you know yep, that Wonder Man almost had a cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? Yes, I didn't know I heard about that. I'm going to jump ahead because we're talking about Wonder Man right now. But <laughs> in the in the few scenes on Earth, there are going to be movie posters because Simon Williams is a uh, movie star in addition to being a superhero. And Nathan Fillion posed for fake movie posters as <laughs> Simon Williams. I uh, remember that, actually. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, yeah, so uh, yeah, so you had the brain patterns of Wonder Man and the body of the Human Torch, the original Human Torch, who was part of the Invaders, along with Captain America and Namor the Submariner, um, and who had a brief cameo in Captain America the First Avenger. Anyway, so so this uh, synthesoid guy, he betrays Ultron and joins the Avengers, and he's been an iconic member ever since. 
Uh, hallmark of the character is his long-running romance and marriage to the Scarlet Witch, which began in 1970, and which we will probably explore a little bit in WandaVision on Disney Plus in the next couple. And of which years. is weird. It's weird. Yeah, we just weird. accept this, but it's weird. weird. Anyway, continue. Oh, that, that a that a robot and a witch can can find true love. It's weird, man. Even an even an android could cry. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's that weird. The first time I ever wore read an Avengers comic where I realized that wait, these two are a couple. It was just it's a robot. He's a robot. He's an okay. He's a robot. No, he's a robot. No, no, no. Dragon Ball Z has taught me anything. He's a synthesoid, so he's it's it's the movie Her but reversed. Well, I'm glad that I didn't have vision. I didn't know Robbie was going to attack whoever talked about vision. <laughs> if that woman wants to date her toaster, you just let her. What's the, what is it matter oh, to I'm you? I'm not saying they can't. Yeah. I'm just saying it's weird. <laughs> what a robot does in the, in the privacy of his own home is entirely up to him. <laughs> I don't care about the toaster. I just don't want him eating at my restaurant. Okay. Hey, Chris, <laughs> keep talking about vision. His abilities include flight, super strength, Optic beams and the ability to change density and tangibility, so he can walk through walls. I love that power. Yes, and uh, you'll notice that he had nothing to do with Jarvis in the comics. I mean, he talked to him. Of course, Jarvis. Point. Jarvis was a dude. Yeah, Jarvis was just a dude in the comics. Yeah, uh, I think it. I, I think that worked well with. The oh yeah, no, absolutely. Tony's child and like Ultron was Tony's child instead of Hank's, but yeah, I yeah, and it, that too. We're jumping ahead. Yeah. Let Paul Bettany do some stuff. I feel like that's going to come up in our uh, actual. Although, while, while we bring up Paul Bettany, did you, I, I heard this interesting story about Paul Bettany when, when he was offered the role of Vision, because he'd been doing the voice for Jarvis since the original Iron Man. Uh, but he had just gotten out of a meeting where this executive told him that he would never work again. And later that day, Joss Whedon calls him up and says, Hey, I've got a role for you in the next Avengers movie. And look at him now. What happened where he was being chastised like that? I don't know, but let's assume it was someone terrible like Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> uh, You'll never even get so to I Star promise Wars this is, I promise <laughs> this is topical. My wife just walked in and she said she turned on Freeform and turned on the 31 Days of Halloween. And guess what movie was on? Halloween. Iron Man. I saw it on the list and everybody's been like, why is Iron Man on this list? Why is Iron Man on the 31 days of Halloween? Because Tony Stark wears a costume. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That checks out. Yeah. That has to be it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's just talk about the actual release of the film. I'm going to let, uh, let Mr. Eduardo handle that one. I'm Eduardo, so... Captain Marvel was actually slated to be in this one, but uh, as Robbie told us before the show, apparently some of the scenes that were shot were actually shot for Captain Marvel, but were then changed to be over to um, some of the test shots, I should say, were shot for Captain Marvel and then were changed over to be Scarlet Witch. So that's pretty cool. It was named after the Age of Ultron miniseries, um, and Edgar Wright's Ant-Man was in production but slated to release after the film, so the creation of Ultron was switched from Hank Pym, who originally created Ultron, to Tony Stank. <laughs> Um, you Tony Stank. <laughs> it releases in it released in April 2015, grossing 1.4 billion dollars. That's billion with a B. Mm-hmm. Billion dollars. This movie we're about to say lots of bad things about doesn't nope. care and laughs on our face because people it made were unironically calling dollars. it a failure. I remember that people were saying, <laughs> "Oh, it, it disappointed at the box office. It made 1.4 billion dollars," and everyone's like, "Oh, it was such a disappointment because it didn't make as much mm-hmm. as the first Avengers." 
I really yeah, well, I'm okay being a disappointment. Okay, <laughs> I, I will money. wipe my disappointing tears <laughs> with my $1.4 billion. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it got generally favorable reviews. Like People were like, oh, this is like a good movie, but it was poorly received compared to its predecessor, um, the first Avengers, as well as a lot of the other Phase 2 movies, specifically coming off of the high that was um, Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy. Right at this point, we had a great run of MCU films. Like Thor: The Dark World is the only speed bump, and then we get this. Yeah, and it's it's a tough pill to swallow. Um, but let's get into the movie, and we can kind of talk about why, for some of us, it's a tougher pill than others. So the movie opens in Eastern Europe in a country called Sokovia, where the Avengers are raiding a Hydra base that's currently being operated by Baron von Strucker. Um, oh. There's a a large action sequence that also reminds me of the one scene from um, Return of the Jedi in Endor and where they're going through on the speeder bikes. Oh, yeah. Um, I got lots of Endor vibes from that. Um, yeah. That's Von a Strucker, good scene. It is a good scene. It yes. op- the movie opens really well. Yeah. Um, Captain America, when he flips off the motorcycle and throws yes. it at the dude, yeah. that's one of the yeah. greatest things I've ever seen. And, I like <laughs> and it starts the... with one of those Avengers tracking shots. Yes. It's honestly pretty good. We've yeah. already yeah. tried to derail your plot. I'm sorry. I also <laughs> like all of the Thor and Captain America team-up combos. Yes. Because yeah. they don't get a lot of combos together in any of the other films that they've been in. But yes, they, so, they finally paid off the hammer hitting the shield. Yeah, yes, it had nice been so together. long since I'd watched this film that I'd forgotten that the end game shield hammer combo actually happened here. Uh-huh. See, I have nice things to say about this movie. They're all yeah. about action. Because he does the sound <laughs> wave. He does the sound wave one, but then they also do later where he throws the shield in the air and then Thor bats it at yes. the guys. Yeah, Cap does a lot of cool shield throwing. Sorry. Yeah. He he does the one on the bike right before he flings his bike where he like pops a pops a wheelie into a jump, throws the shield, it bounces off of two things, and then he catches it while he's still in the air on his bike. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so Ron Strucker has Loki's staff, and he's used it to create two sort of enhanced humans, which we've already alluded to, or not alluded to, because we literally talked about them. Wanda, who is Scarlet Witch, and Pietro Quicksilver Maximoff, the Maximoff twins. Um, so they end up raiding and they come into the base and Scarlet Witch puts a vision in Iron Man's head that the Avengers are dead while the Chitauri invade Earth. The twins, mm-hmm. they're doing some stuff. <laughs> they're kind of weird. Peaches. Well, one of them's fast. The other one's weird. He's fast. She's weird. <laughs> okay. I'm going to let you talk about how weird they are, but I have to talk about something really quickly. It annoys me in this movie how the twins are shot, specifically because we get so few scenes of them standing in front of each other. Almost every single scene in the movie is them side by side, next to each other. And it is the strangest thing because they're like, we want you guys to know these guys are twins. So we're going to put them next to each other in almost every single shot so you never forget that they're twins. I agree with you. Don't pass this to me yet, though, because a lot of stuff hasn't happened with Scarlet Witch yet that I will just, like, ruin with the plot. 10-4. Put this somewhere else. I'm doing that. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so Tony kind of shakes off the vision. He takes the scepter and Black Widow is shown to be able to help Bruce kind of unhulk and kind of hulk down with a, what's called a lullaby. Is the hulk down? Is it Bruce, Bruce in, Bruce out? Like <laughs> if, 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 if turning into the Hulk is hulking out, then turning back has to be either Bruce in or 
or brucing out or hulking in. Gamma go bye bye. (laughs) (laughs) Gamma Greg go bye bye. Go bye bye. The Maximoff twins end up escaping, and the Avengers, after a well fought victory, return to the Stark Tower, which is now Avengers Tower, middle of New York City. Dr. Helen Cho uses synthesized flesh to repair some injuries that Hawkeye got. He got shot right in his tummy, and she's using that. She's, like, grafting, like, skin for him onto his own tummy. She's creating new tissue, yeah. Which, of course... The first of seven times they tell you, they make you think Hawkeye's gonna die. Oh, I know. This whole movie's about Hawkeye dying, and then it never happens. Which also, they never use this technology ever again. Every injury from this point on is like, oh, nope, it's life-threatening because that technology where we were literally rebuilding your tissue, yeah, we forgot how to do that. To be fair, we don't know that because Rhodey should have absolutely died in Civil War and he somehow is still flying around after that movie's done. Well, he's got robot legs. Yeah, but they might not have alluded to how they fixed people. I don't know. Lieutenant Dan was able to walk the end of Forrest Gump, so I think... (laughs) (laughs) I think... Rhodey would have figured out a way. Uh, he's mm, different episode. <laughs> so Tony and Bruce discover artificial intelligence inside the scepter and propose to use it to create an intelligent defense drone to defend the world because Tony is still kind of shaken up about everything that happened in New York, specifically how it related to his vision. I mean, he had already been kind of freaking out through the Iron Man movies. We saw he still had some PTSD from New York. And these yep. are just kind of carryovers. This is basically just re-triggered his PTSD. Yeah, I actually think that carried over well. Um, Stark leaves without completing the Ultron, he calls it, um, but the system activates. It decides humanity's too dangerous, and it shreds Jarvis to pieces. Um, and then Ultron's first plot revolved around hypnotizing Jarvis in the comics, which is kind of a fun little thing. Yeah, That's a good nod, yeah. Oh, yeah. I never made that connection. And also that scene, <clears throat> excuse me, that scene coming off of Guardians would have been hard to make anything in this movie look nearly as pretty, but that scene is really pretty. I know it's just like the visualization of the data of Ultron versus Jarvis, but it just looks really, it's just fun to look at. I don't yeah. know. You, you know what that scene made me think of? No. It made me think of Lex in Jurassic Park going, a Unix system. I know this. <laughs> so It did not make me think of that. We then get what can arguably be the best scene in the whole film, which is the party scene with all the Avengers partying, having fun. We get one of my favorite scenes, which is Rhodey telling the joke to Thor <laughs> and, uh, and cap and it not hitting at all. And then he, Boom, tells, the same joke. <laughs> and he tells the same joke to some other people and it hits really hard. And it's great. That, that one shot of him looking like, yeah, that's a good story. <laughs> I love Thor and Captain America drinking with the army yes. vets, the World yeah. War II vets. Who, and clearly Captain America invites the local World War II vets to all his parties. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I, I just like that that's a thing. I, in a Thor and, and Tony kind of arguing over who has the better girlfriend. <laughs> yes! No, that's yeah. a great moment! Jane's better. <laughs> <laughs> what does Thor say Pepper smells like? Uh, uh, that's, I'm gonna look that. it up. I don't remember him saying okay. anything about oh, how she yeah. smells. Um, so Ultron ends up taking over a, a Rex Stark drone and kind of confronts the Avengers. A bunch of drones attack. 
they get fought off by the Avengers, and one drone declines to attack Dr. Cho, while another flies off with the scepter. Ultron vows to bring uh, bring about the Avenger, uh, the Avengers' extinction. Now, Rob, we've already discussed this being just a f- fantastic scene, specifically the party that happens where they all, we didn't even talk about it, but they all attempt to pick up Thor's hammer, which we get a significant amount of payoff for uh-huh. in Endgame. Um, really? He, whoever be worthy, whoever, he, whoever be worthy. I don't know how he says it. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The way Hawkeye says it, whosoever he be worthy shall have the power. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's a tr- no one believes it. But you think that this is, say we're on a roller coaster, this is the top of the hill. And everything from this point on is just free fall. Yeah, if the whole movie was this, and I know this is going to get to something that Peaches is going to talk about. So the way this movie was spoiled, I'm going to start spoiling Peaches' talking points. Because not only was this the peak of the film, but we also saw all of it before we actually saw the film. It, the party scene is fun. It's the it's great. It's cool seeing the Avengers be comfortable and hang out with each other and be celebrities. Um, there's a lot of great... This is where all the funniest moments in the film are. The hammer scene is fantastic. And again, you're right, has a, has a good payoff in this film and a great payoff in the future. And then honestly, this is what the best that Ultron is. The Ultron that shows up here in the wrecked Starkbot is legitimately menacing it feels like what Ultron should be. He feels like a robot, you know, he doesn't have lips. He has a hard robotic face. He talks in a sinister manner. He's not cracking wise. He's a legit threat. And that, that Ultron, the one that we saw in that, because you remember the scene was on television every five seconds when they were advertising this movie. That Ultron was exciting to me, and I was, was, you know, Ultron's going to be cool, and this is going to be a dark film, and they're going to do Ultron justice, and it's going to be, this is going to be a fun villain, and then it just peters out from there, and it's honestly depressing. When I rewatch this movie, at this point, I'm thinking, this is a fun movie, why am I, I down on this film, and then it just, as it goes on, I remember why it's down, but the party scene and Ultron is legitimately fun, but this isn't a bad movie. It's a disappointing movie because it could have been better. And all of that really hinges on its villain who just didn't live up to the expectations that could have. Um, even even his final threat, like, yeah, okay, he's making an extinction level, level event at the end of the movie. But it doesn't, it just feels too over the top. And, and a lot of the action sequences feel that way to me as well. They just feel hollow. There's cool, they're cool, but there never feels like there's a an actual threat going on at any point you're never wondering ah what's going to happen here you just know okay they're going to punch some guys and the robot is going to tell a joke and then the day is going to get saved but i know chris you think similarly and yet completely differently than me yes okay (laughs) (laughs) so i don't think that this is a bad movie just like you said that you don't think it's a bad movie i i wasn't as disappointed by it uh in, in hindsight, though, I do think that this is the least of the Avengers movie. And my problem with it is I actually don't have a problem with Ultron in this movie. That might be because I didn't come in. I was not very familiar with the character. I had heard of Ultron, but that was literally all I knew was that Ultron, bad robot. J.J. Abrams. No, um, <laughs> no, that he was a bad robot and that uh, <laughs> that James Spader is going to be playing, which I thought was a really interesting choice. Um, but I didn't have any connection to the character from the... Uh, from the comics or anything and 
I in the context of the movie, him being like a wisecracking, quippy villain makes sense because he's created by Tony Stark. Of course, he's going to be like a, a, a an evil version. Like he's going to have some of Tony's personality in there. Uh, so, so that didn't bother me. But, but what what makes this movie less memorable? is that it is the least of the Avengers movies. All the other Avengers movies, they feel like a big event. Look at the original Avengers. Obviously, of course, Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, They are all culminations of something. This movie feels like Avengers 2. And that's not entirely bad. I thought it was actually very interesting that it focuses so much on... like It feels so much like a direct continuation of Avengers. Uh, Like When we went in, I was not expecting Loki's scepter to be so important to it i mean we'd gotten the hint of it in winter soldier but up until that point hadn't really thought about loki's scepter anymore uh so it really feels like it's an avenger sequel but it really well the other ones they feel like events they feel like culminations this one is a movie that stars the avengers and again that's not entirely a bad thing uh i think we get some fun stuff in this movie that we don't get in the other avengers movies uh, because this is really the only movie where we have all the Avengers together as a team that has a set of team dynamics. Because in the first Avengers movie, they are uh, they are coming together and having to learn how to be a team. After Civil War, which isn't technically an Avengers movie, but has the Avengers in it, the Avengers break up. And so Infinity War and Endgame are dealing with the fallout of that, not to mention the snap. So this one is the only movie we get where it's like, here are the Avengers. They're a team. They've been a team for a little while. They work together really well. Uh, we get a lot of fun with, uh, I think, I think Steve and Thor have a really fun dynamic. Uh, we mentioned the combo attacks that they, they do earlier. Uh, them drinking with the veterans. Um, the whole bit with the hammer where you see Steve, when he goes to pick up the hammer, it budges slightly. And as we find out later, yes, Steve was just trying not to embarrass Thor by not picking it up. Uh, but they, but they, they really, this is really the only time we get a lot of Thor and Steve together. And and that's a lot of fun. And then Tony and Bruce as well being science bros. That, that, that's great. (laughs) Um, yeah, so, so it's, so it's got its, uh, it's, it's got its good points, but again, it just feels like a, it just doesn't feel as important as the other Avengers. I actually agree with all that. It's not just that all of that, mostly ends like they don't really split up in this movie but they spend a lot of this movie split up all of all of it you just true. said is stuff i completely agree with it's just after the first few minutes of the film that's not a thing anymore what were you saying the him, the him being worthy thing is that the actual lore here is that he was just trying not to embarrass thor or is it that he wasn't it, worthy yet that is what kevin kevin feige said i mean because you can't be almost worthy because he moved the hammer yeah you can't be almost worthy you're either worthy and then after or that not. he's clearly like pretending to try to pull it like yeah he, it's obvious that he's look not. at his face the way he's going like it, it like watch it again you'll see it's like oh he's he's fake now he's now like pushing I down but yeah, Kevin Feige said, I think like in a in an AMA on Reddit after Endgame came out, he goes, "Yeah, Cap's always been worthy. He was just uh, trying to trying not to make Thor feel bad." Okay, <laughs> which is why Thor says in Endgame when when Cap shows up with the hammer and Thor goes, "I knew it." <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Chris, to kind of push back on what you said, 
I think one of the big problems I have with this movie is they don't spend enough time making you care about the characters. They assume that you already care about the characters because of the first Avengers. And while that works to some degree, there has to be some endearing factor to this movie because as Robbie stated already, some of the action sequences can feel a little hollow because you're not, you don't have that association with the characters. I think my main examples here are going to be Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch because boy, I didn't care about them in this movie. Like, (laughs) Not necessarily about as, you know, as their powers or anything, but as characters. Like I was like, I don't really understand their motivations or why they randomly switch sides halfway or like honestly any of it. And I don't really care when Quicksilver dies. Spoilers, I guess. I didn't <gasps> care. I was like, oh, he died. That kind of sucks. I didn't care about the character. So it doesn't Wait, really matter. Hawkeye like, when Hawkeye died. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the movie doesn't spend enough time making you care about these characters. And I think some of the other Marvel movies do or Avengers movies is do a more successful job about reigniting those feelings. This movie kind of assumed you still feel this way. So we're just going to do the movie. Whereas the more successful ones that happen in the future are like, let's, let's remind you why you care about these characters so much. See, I thought the party scene did that pretty well. I mean, I thought that the, uh, both the, at least for the, for the returning characters, I thought the opening action sequence and the plane ride back and the party sequence, I thought that that reminded you, it's like, hey, here, here's how these characters all get along. I think it reminded me how funny they were and how kind of quippy they can be, but it didn't make I me think that is them. true in the party sequence. But then, I mean, we've had Steve Rogers be the MVP of several films now. And yet I just watched this movie twice in a week and I can't think of what he does really as a character, not as a not as a he guy with a sh- people not to swear. <laughs> Not as a guy with a shield and a helmet, but like as a character, not Captain America, Steve Rogers. I can't really think of what he does on screen after this point. And I would say the same thing with, to a lesser extent, Iron Man, but also with, to, well, we'll talk about this. And I just, he, he rips a log apart with his bare hands. That, that's true. And that true. my wife made a sound when she saw that. But <laughs> I think, I think we all did. Same. Yeah. But I just, I, I think the party sequence does have that, but I actually agree with Eduardo going forward and i think it is fine that this film said yeah you already talk about these characters but i think what he says of reminding you why you care about these characters i think that's kind of forgotten in the second and third acts of this film we're gonna piggyback on this scene forever because there's just so much to unpack here eduardo i actually like very much agree with you right now i want you to know that like, <laughs> yeah, let I, the world know i'm kind of between you are, Chris, but we yeah. are very in agreement right now because this this was one thing and Maybe I'm a messed up person for thinking this, but while getting into these movies, I was also getting into Game of Thrones. They were simultaneous events. And in Game of Thrones, if you've watched it, and if you haven't, I won't say anything specific, but characters die all the time. And that show spends so much time making you love or hate these characters and usually ends up killing the ones that you love. And it sounds really awful, I almost said awesome, like literally meaning it in the sense of the word awesome, not like mm-hmm. cool. Anyways, the point is mm-hmm. they kill off these characters in Game of Thrones and you actually feel things about it because you've spent so many episodes caring about them and wondering how they're going to contribute to the story and this and that, and whatever. At this point in the MCU, nobody that we care about has died. Like even Groot, who we cared about in one film, mm-hmm. came back as a different Groot. But when Quicksilver dies at the end of this I movie, like we're way jumping ahead. But Agreed. I agree with Eduardo. I don't care. Like, I don't care about Quicksilver. And we don't really get real death in the MCU 
for a long time. Like, the first substantial death is the snap, and they were, like, afraid to kill off characters, which is why earlier when I said Rhodey shouldn't have survived those injuries, I will go in-depth yeah. in this in Civil War, but he should have died. Well, that's, that's my feelings on that. But I agree with you, Eduardo. When a Quicksilver died, I didn't care, and they didn't give me enough agreed. of the new characters in this film. I will say and this. You spent the, the whole time thinking Hawkeye will die, and then doesn't which is almost kind of funny but yeah oh, i mean well i guess we'll talk about it now is <laughs> the them acting like hawkeye is gonna die and we'll talk more about uh, the specifics as we move along but it almost feels like it's joss whedon saying hey i'm joss whedon am i gonna kill the guy you love yeah, now I that agree. i'm making him sympathetic nope just kidding i'm gonna kill the guy that it would be awkward to keep alive because fox is using him in, in their own movie this year <laughs> right. too <laughs> Right, yeah. it was almost like Quicksilver's got to be an Avengers movie, but we don't want to deal with how we're going to balance that. So here's yeah. Quicksilver in Avengers movie, and then okay, now he's dead because he'd already been in Days of Future Past by this point, right? right? Yeah, yeah, because because it was weird because it's one of those weird things where both Fox and Disney could use him because of uh, both those characters because they are Avengers characters and they're X Men characters, so they both had rights, so they both had their own takes on them, and I remember they cast Quicksilver in both movies at around the same time. Yeah, it was 2014 for um, Days of Future Past and 2015 yeah. for Ultron. Yeah. Also, in Days of Future Past, when they talk about Pietro's sister, is that supposed to be a direct reference? Like, am I... I read about this yeah, earlier. Okay. They actually took the line out. Um, they took the line out that directly refers to Scarlet Witch. The He is holding, like, his younger sister in a scene, and that's all that they do. But that person is not supposed to be... Got with it. Okay. I, I just read that like 30 minutes. Well, ago. cool. I was interested in it. So, All right. Anyway, eventually I want to talk about um, my feelings on how Ultron was portrayed, but I'm going to. Okay. I do want y'all's feelings this. on that, but if that's yeah. for later, then let's yes. portray Ultron a little bit more first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the Avengers kind of get understandably upset at Tony. Like, what did you do? Because there's a giant maniac, maniac robot on the loose. Ultron creates a new bar, uh, body and an army in Von Strucker's castle and recruits the Maximoff twins. Ultron, I don't know why this is in the notes, but I'll let you know anyway. Ultron has teeth and lips and eyebrows and a <laughs> sense of humor, and he's voiced by James Spader, who I didn't know who that was until I looked it up, and it's Robert California, if you've ever seen The Office, <laughs> and that is all I could think for the rest of the movie. Um, Have you ever seen the videos where they take uh, Robert California lines and dub them into Ultron scenes? <laughs> <laughs> I need that. I'm halfway through season five of The Office, and I'm really excited to hear Ultron <laughs> in The Office. Oh, you're not going to like it. Don't be excited. No, I'm like I'm not excited because I know that Steve Carell is gone. But anyways, at that point. So, the Maximovs <laughs> reveal they lost their parents to Stark bombs and now want revenge. <laughs> All right. So Ultron kills revenge. Von Strucker and travels to Africa. Can't believe someone wants meets... revenge on Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ultron meets with Ulysses Claw. Raider, we get the first mention of Wakanda. Um, Wakanda? We get um, a scene of all the vibranium that uh, Claw was able to steal. And he tries to purchase the strongest metal on Earth, which is vibranium. Um, and so he ends up transferring like a billion dollars over to Claw, like just an absurd amount of money. And the Avengers confront Ultron in Claw's sal uh, salvage yard. Right before this, though, we get 
our next Luke scene of Ultron just mid-conversation literally cutting off Claw's arm. You gotta make him Claw somehow, right? Right. So the action sequence sequence begins, (laughs) the Avengers, Ultron, and the Maximoff twins begin to brawl along with a bunch of robots. Um, And Scarlet Witch ends up putting a bunch of kind of visions in everybody's head. (laughs) Haha, vision. Am I right? Uh, Banner's vision causes him to rampage in nearby Johannesburg as the Hulk, and we get the Hulk Buster armor. Which Can we is... talk about the visions real quick? Yeah, sure. Just just briefly to touch on them. I know the Thor one we're going to talk about. I think a little bit more when we get to his his bath time scene. Um, but I actually liked this sequence. Uh, I enjoyed, you know, I thought that Steve's was very interesting because it's like an after the war thing. Uh, clearly it's some sort of dance in USO hall and he meets up with Peggy and it looks like they're going to dance. But Steve seems very put on edge because of the uh, uh, people are laughing and one guy spills wine on his shirt uh, and the glass breaks, but Steve sees it as a gunshot and the guy bleeding and uh, the flash bulbs of the cameras flashing, you know, it's pretty much giving him more flashbacks. It's kind of his PTSD. Uh, kind of kick in. I thought just thought that was very interesting. And then, of course, I know Robbie will talk about uh, Black Widow's visions later, but right, we do see a bit of her past in the in the re- in the red room uh, where she was trained to become a Black Widow. Uh, Thor. Uh, who's, is, are, the, is, are those the only Thor. three? Or am I forgetting an obvious yeah, one? Those Thor. are the three that you get, and then Hulk. You don't. Oh, see. and then Hulk. Yeah, and and, and Hawkeye. Stops. Hawkeye avoids it, which is a good moment. Yes, that is a good moment. When he, when he says, I've been brainwashed before, don't care for it. Um, but uh, the one thing I will say about Thor's, because it's not important, is did any of you ever watch Angel? Yes. No. Are you aware of the Angel reference in Thor's vision? No. No. All right. So on Angel, there was, uh, there was okay, Angel being a Joss Whedon show, the spinoff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There is an evil law firm in, uh, in and Los Hart. Angeles called Wolfram and Hart. And it's called Wolfram and Hart because it's actually run by three ancient demons they call the powers that be that are represented by a wolf, a ram, and a heart, a deer. Oh. And there is a brief shot of three people in the weird Asgardian Valhalla revel that are wearing, they're standing in a row, like each of them in a in like a column. And one's wearing a wolf mask, the next one's wearing a ram mask, the last one's wearing a, a heart mask. So there you go. There's your Wolfram and Hart shout out that's very Thor's cool vision. i did not yeah. notice that at all yes there's it's one of the only good things to come out of the thor vision sequence that <laughs> is what is an easter egg ladies it and is. gentlemen that yeah. is an easter egg Anyways. so we get this action sequence and this is the first of many action sequences that was just completely dis like spoiled by the advertising and for this movie and <laughs> yeah peaches you're gonna touch on this uh some now but this movie just kind of all of the advertisements in this movie spoiled the whole movie and since then marvel has learned their lesson to the point yeah. where they're literally putting in fake things into their trailers to throw you off the scent yeah dude people will complain about that every time it happens and i love it because mm-hmm. then i don't have to worry about seeing something like you gotta put something cool in your trailer so that people want to see the movie even marvel where they know that all these people are going to see the movies no matter what, you still have to put something cool in the trailer so that people can get hype about it. But I like that they did that. Okay, so if you've listened to Squad Up since the beginning, 
you probably have heard this story at least six times. But <laughs> I, I had, um, I, I kind of learned this lesson when Bioshock Two came out. So Bioshock Two, Bioshock is my favorite game of all time. When Bioshock Two came out, I like completely overindulged myself in everything that they were releasing prior to the game coming out. I was watching gameplay videos over and over and over. I was watching the trailers over and over, looking up all the information I could on the internet just to get every piece of information I could about this game. And for a lot of people, including myself, the game was kind of disappointing because it didn't live up to the uh, the first game, which how could you live up to the first Bioshock? Mm-hmm. They, Some will argue, Eduardo, and many others, that they made a better game with <laughs> no. um, Infinite. But... I digress. The second one could not possibly live up to the first one. That's how good it was. And I made it even worse by just watching it over and over. Now, for some reason, that did not continue to translate um, with Marvel films, because at this point, I was overindulging in the trailers. But to be totally fair, and I think that a lot of you guys and the listeners can relate to this, they just put so much of the movie in the advertisements that there was almost no surprise it was really hard to enjoy the movie um, when you kind of knew what was coming around every turn. They showed so many action sequences. They showed the party. They showed the Hulkbuster. They showed a lot of of, um, Ultron's dialogue they showed. They even did the whole Pinocchio, you know, you got no strings thing, which was a huge point of advertisement for them that was really creepy coming from a maniacal evil robot overlord but then the line showed up exactly the same way in the film and it wasn't cool anymore because we had already heard it a bunch of times now don't get me wrong like this movie is okay i personally think this movie is okay and i thought maybe over time you know having been years now since the advertising ruined it for me that maybe i could come back and have an enjoyable film I don't think that the over-advertising bothers me as much anymore, um, but it's still something I think about every time I think about this movie. And that combined with a couple of the other specific things that just kind of irk me about this film, drag it down for me. But specifically, I'm glad that they kind of learned their lesson. And, you know, it was a, it was a lesson for me too, because now I will try to only watch the Marvel trailers once when they come out. Like, I'll still watch them, but I'll usually give it some time uh, and I'll watch it once and then move on. If I'm in, if I'm at like a movie and they play it before a, a different movie, whatever, I'm going to see it twice, mm-hmm. maybe three times. But, you know, that's that's my stance on that. Did you guys feel like that with this movie, too? Like, well, I think it's interesting you say that because, one, I have a few few reasons that that was interesting listening to you talk. I vividly remember shortly before this movie came out going to a dinner party with you and you and another friend of ours and I, and I don't think Chris was there, but I might be wrong. We're, we were talking about this film, and I remember that conversation as basically, we almost completely laid out the plot of what the film actually ended up being. Mm-hmm. Um, except we thought Hawkeye would die. I don't think we thought Quicksilver would die, but... Yeah, a lot of people guessed um, Although I think we knew, I think we knew Quicksilver wasn't going to be in a future film, too. So I think we may have just been discussing that Quicksilver would die, and... Yeah, you know what? We knew Quicksilver would die. We knew it would somehow motivate Scarlet Witch into something. Yeah, because we she'd already been that. announced for Civil Wars cast, but he yes. wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I, that's yeah. right. I remember that. Um, 
another thing is as I was watching this this movie this week, that scene where uh, Ultron comes up and, and says to, to Captain America, you, you want to know what's inside that cradle? It's change. And that scares you. Like, at, when I watch that scene, it feels weird to me because, oh, yeah, that's the scene that I saw on television after every football game and watched on the Internet repeatedly and was hyped for this film. Like, that scene now still feels weird to me because of how many times I watched it, but before hmm. the movie actually came out. Does it um, make you cringe like Eduardo cringed when I said Pinocchio? Oh, my God. The Pinocchio <laughs> yes! stuff makes me cringe yes! so hard. It, it, I you like the Pinocchio not, stuff? I am not a fan of the Pinocchio stuff in this movie. I would have liked it if it wasn't uh, like thrown at me every four seconds. Right. Maybe that's right. part of it, yeah. And the other I interesting just, thing... No. Go ahead. The, the third interesting thing, though, is one of the things we talk about a lot with Star Wars um, advertising is that they don't tell you anything. Like, I knew almost nothing about what the last Jedi and the force awakens ended up being from those trailers. And we all know that that's mm -hmm. something we openly talk about is that star yeah. Wars advertising gives you a bare minimum, some brief flashes because they know eh, it's star Wars. You're going to go see it. I feel like at this point, the MCU had been successful enough that they could have done that. And they did. They honestly did do that with the Avengers. The Avengers did not tell you this is what the movie is. It showed you, Harry, here's some action sequences with these superheroes. Go see this movie. And mm -hmm. I think they could have done this with this. They could have just said, you know, hey, uh, there's an Avengers movie. Give us $1.4 billion. And I've got a theory on that. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I've got a theory. All right. So the original Avengers movie showed you just as many action sequences as this movie did. But what it didn't show you were actual heartfelt character building moments between characters. Whereas this movie showed you the same amount of action sequences, but the moments it didn't show you weren't actually good moments and you were upset that all the good moments were spoiled. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause like that, maybe there just aren't enough good moments in this film. Like I, that's what I think. Yeah. Like I had just said that that scene where Ultron first confronts them is honestly my favorite scene in the movie. And the, the best the villain fills in the whole movie. And that was a scene we saw a lot in advertising. And you're right. That was then the it, very first trailer. Then it never gets better. Yeah. And not only was that the very first trailer, like I, I watch a lot of sports and they every every basketball game every football game every baseball game at some point mm -hmm. during the game showed you that scene it's i wonder if you know even though they made 1.4 billion on this i wonder if they considered this an advertising fail to a degree because like i was just obviously the reason that i and probably several other people indulged in this is because i was so hyped for it seeing these trailers wondering if this right. is the footage you're going to show me in a trailer, I am I can't even fathom what you're yep. going to show me in the movie. And then yep. it was like budget cuts. That's not really it. But hey, I don't we yep. just if that's the movie. Hey. Yeah. Like you could piece it together. This is This was just about the most hyped I've ever been for a mo movie in that point. I, I mean, The Lord of the Rings was probably the the previous holder for the most hype I'd been for a film. And I remember I went to see it with both you. Chris went to see it a second time when I went to see it, and you were there mm -hmm. too. And usually when I see a big blockbuster movie, I come out feeling good about it and then start to pick on it over time. I left this one thinking, well, that was all right, but I've, I don't think I'd ever been so disappointed on first viewing of a movie <laughs> because the hype that was built up. Well, let me bring up now then, we know that Joss Whedon was pretty disappointed in this one as well. And... It's that makes me feel bad. And it sounds like there was a lot of 
I'm just going to call it film by committee. Yeah, a lot of executive meddling. This is back. And I don't know how much of it was Feige. I don't know how much of it was Perlmutter or how much of it was this was back when they, uh, well, Marvel Studios was still under Ike Perlmutter in, in, in Marvel Entertainment. And they had the uh, the Marvel Story Committee, which was a bunch of comic book writers who consulted on the films. And I know there was a lot of back and forth. Uh, this The whole Thor dream subplot uh, it was going to be longer. Yeah. And, what the- and granted, it probably would have explained a bit more what was going on, but it was one of those things that had to be in the movie because it was setting up Infinity Gauntlet. And there was even talk of, well, you might have to cut some other stuff to keep this stuff in. And Joss Whedon had to fight them to keep the Hawkeye farm stuff in. Excuse me? I know, right? <laughs> Isn't that shocking? Because that's like the most human part of this movie. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, like so that, what, that, I'm yeah. trying to picture the movie that skips the Hawkeye farm sequence and how, like, are you literally just jumping from action sequence to action sequence? Like what we're making fun of this movie for was what they wanted? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Like, I can't imagine the movie without it. I mean, it is actually, I think it's kind of an interesting I don't want to call it a lull because it, it is the that that and the party scene are like the two sequences that really have a lot of character work in it as opposed to right uh, you know the spectacle uh, so it's a it's a it's a rest um, I think it's like a slower part of the movie between that that kind of holds it together I think and and I can't imagine the movie without that. So yeah, so there was a lot and that's why Joss decided not to come back for Avengers 3 and that worked out obviously. Uh mm-hmm. you know, I th- I think that everything happened everything shook out the way it was supposed to. Uh but he was very disillusioned by the whole experience. And you'll notice that it was it was only a year or two later that Marvel ended up breaking off from or Marvel Studios ended up breaking off from Marvel Entertainment and was moved there was a corporate restructure that put it under Walt Disney Studios and I sent you guys that yeah. article recently uh that because Bob Iger the CEO of Disney just released his biography his autobiography and in it he straight up throws Ike Perlmutter who still works for him <laughs> under the bus and talks about how hard he was to work with and how how Kevin Feige almost quit because he could not deal with Perlmutter uh who did not want to give them the money to make the movies and tell the stories that they wanted to do and Civil War was the breaking point because he wanted to get Robert Downey Jr. back and Perlmutter's like, no, I'm not paying for him. And Iger's like, all right, we're just going to shift Yon over here. And yes, you can have the actors you want. And you notice that since then, every director that has come through the MCU talks about what a great, supportive, creative environment it is and how much they all love working together. And that was not the case. And like, if you read any of the interviews with Joss Whedon, like sort of the post-mortem Age of Ultron stuff, it is uh it is a stark contrast. Yeah. No pun no pun intended. <laughs> for for once in my life. No pun intended. It's interesting to hear all that because I do remember the um at least in the places on the internet I was in, the response to this movie was Joss Whedon is too into himself and loves his quips too much and he ruined this movie. Um and I mean I'm not gonna get into Joss Whedon the the uh-huh. dude again, but it sounds like he may have been unfairly blamed for this mess. Yeah. Oh, I think there's some blame for him because I know you're going to talk about Black Widow later, but uh Okay, uh, yes. I will blame yeah. him for that. So we get I'll tell you that yeah. Well, go on. We'll, we'll bring <laughs> it up. When we get to that topic, I'll bring it up. Back to the plops. We get some yes. backlash over Hulk's destruction 
Um, oh god, that's where we are. <laughs> we are. <laughs> and don't worry, there's only action sequences. Maybe this up. should be a two-parter. <laughs> <laughs> we get some backlash over Hulk's destruction, and they're kind of shaken by everything. We know people are upset at Bruce for for everything he's done, so they go and they head to Hawkeye's hidden farm, where he's like, "Oh, by the way, this is my family," um, and they're all like, "What?" And those are agents, right? Those are smaller agents. <laughs> <laughs> Thor leaves to discuss his vision with Eric Selvig. You must, uh, if you remember him from the first two Thor movies, who isn't running around naked anymore. He has a second vision Got of better. six colored yeah, what's stones. What's up with that? I'm sorry. He was crazy in Thor two, and then he's normal out of nowhere. Like, oh, it's all good, dude. I um, I started doing some yoga and meditating, and I really got chi <laughs> down. So I'm all yeah. set now. Sorry, I was did really you, wigging out back there. Did you watch the blooper reel at all for this? No. Yes. He's got like three different scenes where he's walking down the steps when when you see him like in his two scenes in the movie, he's walking down the steps away from class, and he like tells the girl that's walking next to him in one of the scenes he says call me and one of the scenes he says like has have your mom call me and like another one he's like party at my place later (laughs) (laughs) it's totally weird i'm sorry tangent we've we've done a lot of tangents uh nick fury appears to convince the team to work together to stop ultron they need to work together with shield to stop ultron um Wanda and Banner are revealed to be in a relationship. Ooh. And they also both talk about how they can't have kids. Less woo. Um, Banner is apparently sterile from radiation. And Wanda was forced into... Not not Wanda. I'm sorry. Natasha. Natasha (laughs) was forced into a hysterectomy as part of her graduation into KGB service. (laughs) One of many interesting choices for this movie in regards to Natasha Romanov, Robbie, as clearly the most in tune with feminism and um, all of feminist please let us know what you think about Black Widow's role in this film and female representation as it stands in the MCU so far. So I want to tread carefully on this, and I need y'all also to talk on this, because I think you can't talk about Age of Ultron without talking about the way it failed the female viewers. However, we're also four dudes, so I want to be careful the way (laughs) you are four. We are 16 altogether. So I want to be careful. Um, I spent a lot of time, I spent a lot of time talking to my wife about her reactions to this. Um, I got actually some reactions from a couple of y'all's wives that narrows it down because only a couple of y'all have wives on it. Only everybody um, but Peach. And sought out, right, sought out some articles um, written by women on their reactions to this to try and see how they reacted because the hysterectomy thing to me, I actually found appalling. Um, it felt like it was boiling. We could not come up. We, we alluded to her red ledger in the previous movie, but then this time we can't come up with any sort of character building for Natasha Romanoff other than, Oh, she can't have children. And then she even has the line. You're not the only monster on this team because she can't have children. And in universe, I believe it with the character. It's just as the film is constructed, I feel like while you couldn't, you couldn't do better for the girl on the team than, Oh, she can't have children. That's that's her great failure because her her importance in life 
is to have children and she can't have that. She's a monster. Um, I did find a lot of people, a lot of female authors that had that reaction. I had a, found a lot that did not have that reaction that did think it was fine and handled very well. Um, my wife actually did not think it was handled poorly. She thought the monster line was not, at, and I think uh, Eduardo, your wife said the same thing to me. She thought the monster line was not because she can't have children. It was just so poorly written that you can interpret it that way. She doesn't think it was meant to be that. Um, she didn't think the hysterectomy thing itself was offensive. It was just kind of like I'm saying, how could you not find better? Um, and then she's perfectly capable in this film and she does important things, but her, her plot is basically can't have children. And then this forced love story with Bruce Banner that we never really see again. And it just doesn't feel natural and doesn't feel interesting. It's just, yeah, the girl's got to have a guy and he's a dude. So let's put them together. That plot didn't even exist. Dude, does anyone think this movie is worse if you don't have the Bruce Loves Natasha subplot? Um, I almost think it was just being used so that they had a way to fly Hulk away into Planet Hulk. Right. Well, and I, I thought something was very interesting on one author I read. She said, so Natasha can't have babies, but they gave her a baby, and that's the Hulk. The Hulk is her baby in this movie. She even sings him lullabies, which, if, like, I don't know if that was intended, but that's kind of bad if you're some people are coming away with that feeling. Um, hey, big guy. And there's just so there's so, right there's so many other things that are just so rough about this representation. Um, also, while I'm on it, hide the zucchini is a horrifying line that completely 100% <laughs> takes me out of the film. If that was in Guardians, where it fits the characters, sure, but here it just feels forced and unpleasant, and I hate it. Um. I think the zucchini would be forced and unpleasant. Yes. yes. Um, and so, so I was asking oh, my wife, no. like, at this point, how did you feel about female representation? I told her about Captain Marvel was almost in this movie, but they pulled her out. And yes, Scarlet Witch is in this movie. And I tell her that. And she goes, but look what she's wearing. Like, she's still there for the male gaze. Um, and, and I asked her, so how did you feel at the point in this movie when this is all you had for female representation? And she said, and this is depressing to me, we're used to it. Um and then there's another piece of this whole female, and I'm sure you guys remember the Where's Nat campaign, the fact that a bunch of, and I think Perlmuter was behind this, so I want to hear Chris talk about this because I think he knows about yeah, this. Yeah, he absolutely um, was. They ripped away Natasha Romanoff action figures and merchandise because girls don't like uh, superheroes. and Girl, Girls don't buy toys. Right, you guys remember, girls like superheroes by the time of this film. We talked about this with The Last Avengers. Girls like superheroes before these movies. Right. Our female just friends never got marketed all wanted to. to see the MCU movies, but then there's not representation for them in these films. And finally, you don't even have to force it. It's one thing if you've got to force representation, which is potentially a good thing. Forcing representation isn't an inherently bad thing. However, I think in the case of this, you didn't even have to force it. You had Captain Marvel available. You could have given Natasha Romanoff more to deal with. And also, and I'm going to get on my soapbox that you guys probably knew I was going to at some point in the series... A founding member of the Avengers on the pages who literally gave the team their name was a female and who, by the way, was heavily in, is heavily involved in Ultron as he's an obsession of her. Wasp should have been in the first Avengers movie, as was planned to be. And then, oh, look, you have a really cool kick-ass female character along with Natasha Romanoff who can have her own side plot very closely aligned with the villain the movie is named after. It's completely inexcusable to me. And yes, it doesn't affect me. 
but I watched it affect my wife. I watched it affect other women around. I remember having lots of female friends that were really annoyed. Like, it's all dudes and this girl that gets a bad plot. And I just, I don't know. It annoys me. And I think that's one of the big failings of Ultron. I think that's, this movie was disappointing. Not bad, disappointing. And I think it wasn't just disappointing for me. It was also disappointing for the half of society that is a different gender from me and was disappointed that once again, they're not represented in this film. Yeah, and real quick to the, bring it back to the toy thing, since you said I was going to uh, bring it up, the specific example I could think of is there's that that sequence in uh, in the, the Korea sequence. Is that where it is? It's in Seoul, I think. Uh, where yes, where Natasha's on the motorcycle. Yes, yes, yes. They turned that into a Captain America toy. They put Cap on the motorcycle. It was it was literally that scene. It was the the motorcycle launching out of the out of the Quinjet. But they put Captain America on the bike instead of Black Widow. Like, like that is very specifically. Well, no, they think that girls don't want to buy toys and think that boys don't want to buy toys that have girls in them. Uh, I'd buy a wasp toy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Very fast. Robbie, I'll back you up with the the forced romance thing. (laughs) I, I, that was one of my first negative reactions to the movie, too, is that I don't, I didn't really know why the romance came about like i get that you're going to insert plot points where you want to but it didn't it didn't feel natural at all and it, it, mm-hmm. it, it felt like everybody else on this team has somebody that they're with but bruce doesn't and natasha doesn't so let's bruce just is with tony yeah <laughs> and i didn't think about this to the extent that you thought about it um but as we're doing this rewatch all of us, every single time that there has been a movie that Natasha has been in, we have gushed about how much better we thought it was in rewatch with everything that we know about Natasha now. And it was like they were building up to this character that was going to be really badass. And then they just kind of dropped the ball in this movie for her. They just hung her out to dry, I think. And, you know, I don't think that it's, necessarily a bad thing for a female character in a movie to be in a relationship with somebody that happens people are in relationships but when it feels forced and they kind of just make her red ledger be solely based on the relationship and whatever that entails it just kind of felt awkward well you know and I, I think something we've said every every movie she's been in is there's this sense that Natasha Romanoff was underutilized in the MCU and kind of uh, disappointing the MCU. And for several episodes now, we've said, well, why are we saying that? Because she wasn't here. Why are we saying that? She wasn't here. It's because she was here. This is what we remember. And I think this is the beginning of the down point of what was a fantastic character becoming disappointingly utilized as we went on. It is important to note about this movie and about specifically female representation and not just female representation, but representation of other races at the time in our country, this was starting to become a more prominent issue. This is starting to be some people were more vocal about people were starting to become more vocal about, you know, there being more people represented in these movies. And so this movie is important for that because it was one of those movies where this became a a big issue so much so that we have 
Black Panther, that we have that scene that people think is too campy at the end of uh, Endgame, that we have a lot of these characters, that we have our Captain Marvels. We have that because of people watching this movie and feeling like there wasn't enough representation. I think I myself feel that there wasn't enough representation. Like if you take out, you know what? Nope. Look at all the Avengers all together. How yep. many people of color are yep. a part of the Avengers? You're right. You're right. And, that, and, and I'm going to admit, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Well, and that's just one of those things that at at the time of the country, I mean, this movie came out a year before we began the kneeling um, at the in football stadiums by Colin Kaepernick. This was a time in the country where a lot of these issues were starting to really reach the forefront of the country's conversation. And I'm not saying this is important as those events, but I'm saying that the two are kind of intertwined, that the, the, the emotions that were happening, this was part of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting point, definitely. Um, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, now, it's my understanding, and take this as you will, um, for what this says about everything. But I believe that Black Widow's part was actually significantly cut down from what was originally. Yeah, that planned doesn't make it better because Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> well, because Scarlett Johansson was pregnant. Like I said, doesn't make it better. It's very ironic. Interest, yeah, interesting is, is that, yeah, it, it's not a good excuse at all. It's just kind of one of those things that makes you go, "Huh," look, you know. And again, it's it's very much kind of speaks to society. Um, to touch on the Black Widow, uh, Bruce romance, which does feel out of left field. Uh, there are a couple th- a couple thoughts I have about that. First of all, up until this point, everyone assumed slash hoped that Black Widow and Hawkeye were an item. Um, and Hawkeye obviously has a family in this, and we see that Natasha is the only one that knows about Clint's family. Like she's friend that like his kids call her Auntie Nat. Uh, so they are just great friends, which is really cool to see male female friendship represented in a movie. I think. There is an interesting idea in Natasha going from being afraid of the Hulk to falling in love with Bruce. They allude to it kind of in that in the first bit of dialogue that they have at the party scene, um, which I'll criticize it in a minute. But how she's intrigued by him because he's the one that can win every fight. And that's why he doesn't want to fight when she's all her life been a fighter. And she finds that fascinating and attractive. And if that had ever been given time to develop and hadn't felt so out of left field, that could have been a really great storyline to explore. But you would have needed it over uh, uh, over more than this movie, or you would have needed it in a movie that didn't have as much other stuff going on as this movie. It wasn't given the time it needed to grow and actually be a good story, so it just ends up leaving you scratching your head, and then it ends up abandoned after this. The most we get is one like awkward sideways glance between the two of them in Infinity War. And that's sort of mm-hmm. the last of that. Well, and Hulk's rage when she dies in, in um, Endgame, I think, ties into this. But it's like it was like too little too yeah. late. Yeah. And, and he he regrets that she's dead and wants to bring her back. And, you know, he and he and Clint kind of commiserate over that in different ways. But. But they do. They they share that. But yeah, it, it is not given enough room to grow. It's not explained very well. And it just it falls flat because of it. it. It's a romance that does not work. You know what? Real quick, too. 
before we cap put a cap on this the the cherry on top of all of this for me is the line near the very end of the movie where natasha is talking to fury and she says did you know the whole time alluding to when she was sent to retrieve banner to put him on the avengers team did you know the whole time like it's supposed to be some like fairy tale ending for the two of them like yeah nick fury that line maker that line really clunked with me this time. I when it never had before. It. Oh God! And and he doesn't respond to it like, "Yeah, baby, I knew the whole time." Like he responds to it like, "Well, you never know." Like he because you put to people together and hope for the best. Yeah, whatever. like he responds to it diplomatically, but it's still like, "Why are you saying that?" If you're yeah. not going to continue this plot, I mean, maybe they were going to, and it got shot down. But it just—it's like King Awkward. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And we watching this last night with Angela uh, and I asked her, what did you what did you think of all of this? And turns out she hates the way Joss Whedon writes Black Widow in general, both movies. Hmm. And I thought she made a good point because all of her dialogue in this movie, almost all of it, it's it's bad. She has she has a line in the very first in the very first scene when they're about to get the scepter and Thor says at long last. And she goes at long last lasting a little long boys, which just sounds like a writer who is very proud of himself for thinking of that. It is such a uh-huh. writerly flourish. And I'm He's always like, picking I- up after you boys. Like, Oh uh, yeah. That the whole bit of, she especially hated the whole dialogue, like her flirting with him when mm-hmm. they're at the bar at the party scene when he's, she's like, fella done me wrong. But, oh, uh, but he's a, but he's a huge dork and chicks love that. And just like, it, it's, it's painful. And like, it's a really, really bad dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I liked her and you know, I thought, I thought she was fine. And I didn't have a problem with it in Avengers, but in this movie it, and especially after we had seen, um, seen her in winter soldier. Right. And yeah, the, the, what the I thought was fire in this makes that worse. The high, the high, I thought her high point up to this point was winter soldier. And we didn't really even get to see much of her friendship with Steve in this movie, which I'd really come to appreciate Winter Soldier. And we see some of it. Uh, the, the one moment that I felt that at all was when we've got the running gag about people making fun of Steve because he said language at the beginning. And Fury says something and Nat says, oh, Steve doesn't like using words like that. And he goes, you know what, Romanoff? And it is it feels very playful and fun. It's like it. But that's like the only hint you get of the friendship they had and the rest of it it's her making goo goo eyes at, at bruce yep in in really weird awkward ways yes and, and then and then of course the whole the monster thing my take on it again i'm a dude so my my take on it when i saw it and it wasn't until i heard a lot of the uh reaction to it afterwards i was like oh i hadn't thought of it that way and I don't necessarily agree with that take. I I, I think to me it's the, it's more clumsy writing than malicious intent. Uh, but the whole because she tells a story about how to graduate in the red room, you had to uh, you had to be sterilized so that you wouldn't have kids because that was the only thing that you might be more attached to than the mission. And then she said, and then she says, still think you're the only monster in the team. I feel like if you move that line later in the scene and have them talk about more than just the hysterectomy, it's better. Having it come right after that, 
I took it as, and I think Angela did as well, and she can yell at me if I'm if I'm remembering our conversation wrong later. Um, but it, I mean, it's definitely related to that. But we saw it more as the choice to do this so you could be a killer was the monstrous thing she did, not the fact that she can't have kids. It's a modicum better. You know, it's 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 not not much better. Certainly, you know, it, they definitely could have gone with something else. Um, I think it it, it it in different hands. This just made me glad that Joss Whedon's not writing the Black Wid- the Black Widow movie. Um, this makes me glad they are. There is a Black Widow. Yes, movie. that's a good. Yeah, I feel like this will help alleviate what this yeah. movie did to her. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, so for me, it was more like it felt clumsy. It's like, oh, there's something they're trying to say there. And it is not like, oh, you know, with, you know, rewrite this scene one more time and you could get rid of the problematic elements and actually make it ring true dramatically. The presser for this movie also didn't do any favors for any of these conversations. There was a particular interview with uh, Chris Evans and Jeremy Renner where they oh i remember this they are asking them that the person who's interviewing is like what do you think about black widow in this movie and jeremy renner he's joking but he looks at her stern face and says it's a slut and they both start to laugh and um chris evans is like yeah she's a complete whore and they both are like laughing and they're clearly just joking they're not actually they don't actually mean it but it's really like it's very cringy and it's not uh, it's not that funny. Um, yeah, it's the kind of joke you make with very certain friends, and it's the kind of joke you get. You feel like they probably would have made with Scarlett Johansson there, but it's the kind of joke that it doesn't work with outside, and and probably joke you shouldn't be making at all. But but within certain right social dynamics, it could conceivably be okay um but in an interview sans context without her there to defend herself it looks real bad yeah it just it's all just not a good look and they've since kind of come around and obviously this has been fixed um and you know we're getting our own black widow movie but it's definitely something that should be talked about i'm glad we talked about it um and hopefully we can get some more of the 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 female perspective moving forward I know we've. Got I'm waiting a, for three spouses to yell at me when this publishes. I know we've got a few lined up uh, as a preview on our next episode, which is going to be the Ant Man episode. My wife will be joining us, so that'll be fun. I know her, and we've also got a friend of the show who's going to be coming on for the Civil War episode. I'm going to say it in this podcast so she can't back out. Marguerite's going to be the on the uh, Civil War episode. Oh, wow. So is she really? Uh, she is. Um, wow, you got her. You I did. Got her in. Um, well, she said she would do it, and I'm saying it on the podcast now so she can't back out of it. So well, now the world will know <laughs> about her and Bailey. They're got it. They have to be. On they the have show to now. be on the show. That's just the or way the that, people look, will riot. I don't make the rules. All right, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the host. I don't make the rules. I read the card. So Ultron and his new body, because we're still talking about this movie, uh, <laughs> 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 confronts Cho in Seoul. He uses a stone from inside the scepter and chose, uh, chose synth flesh technology to create a new body, which will eventually become Vision. Oh, with the vibranium. With the vibranium, correct. Right. Um, as Ultron enters the new body, Wanda is able to read his thoughts and she sees like 
basically the planet being destroyed. And she's like, what are you doing? You're going to end humanity. We literally can't be with you because if you didn't know, we are part of humanity. (laughs) We are also humanity. So if you kill all of humanity, that includes us. Um, Hey, pretty mama. Want to kill all humans? (laughs) So the Avengers get there. They partner with the Maximovs to try to steal the body and the scepter. But Black Widow is captured in the process Another action sequence, which there are a plenty in this movie. The Maximoff twins, they switch sides. It's kind of weird, man. And Peaches, you get to finally talk about how weird they are. <laughs> this is fine. Yeah, I'll talk about I'll talk about Wanda here. So, okay. This is the thing about the two of them, and this is purely retrospective because at the time of seeing this movie, the only thing that I really thought about them was that Like, we didn't know enough about them, which is what we were talking about earlier with, like, the lack of their character development. But after seeing everything, uh, they just confused me a lot. And and Scarlet Witch, more than Quicksilver, because we don't get a lot of Quicksilver. um, But we talked about this when we were talking about Scarlet Witch's powers. She does things in this movie that we just literally never see again. Like, she does throw the hex orbs, which is cool. She does that in most of the movies that she's in. But she, like speaking these nightmares into people's brains and then watching them trip out like that's never spoken of it's never alluded to it's never done again um now i think that based on how scarlet witch operates in the comics um maybe this has some validity for the doctor strange sequel that's coming out because i forgot about that um it is. It has been said that Multiverse of Madness is going to be a horror movie, and if Scarlet Witch is a co-star of Benedict Cumberbatch in this, I just said the character and then the actor. It doesn't matter if they're together in this movie, and it's supposed to be a horror movie. I could see them integrating this power somehow, but I can't see it where Scarlet Witch is on the good side. Like maybe. If Nightmare is a main villain in this movie, maybe Nightmare manipulates Scarlet Witch into joining him and then she speaks some more scary thoughts. into I don't, I don't know how it'll work, but maybe they right. can bring that power back. Well, they've uh, said that WandaVision is going to lead directly into that movie too, so whatever sure. she does in that show could right. be freaky. But like, like they set her up so strangely in this movie and it ne- almost none of it is followed through. Like... She has a scene after she's whispering all of the visions into people's heads that she scurries away like a character from The Grudge. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. I know exactly what you're and talking I about. I really actually liked that. Me like, too. Me too. I liked it, but it never came back. And so it's kind of creepy because why is she walking like that? It doesn't really make sense. I just thought it was interesting that her introduction in the movie was like like a horror character. It's yeah. well, it and, a nice and, touch. And their and her introduction at the end of Winter Soldier was very much like that too, because mm-hmm. she's sitting in her cell, like kind of sporadically moving her neck around and like toying with the orbs in her hand. You know what I'm talking about? She's kind of yes. looking like like she's in an insane asylum sort of thing. Um, but you know that doesn't really fit with how they developed her. And then like, what happened to the accent? Like, her accent is gone. Elizabeth Olsen does not use an accent anymore with Scarlet Witch. If she does, it it's is not even... It's very slight. Close. She does. Yeah. But it's... I, I listened to some clips of her talking in Endgame, and it is nothing like 
how she talks in this movie. It's it's just weird. Like did did they just decide? And eh, we liked almost none of that. Let's just change her. Nobody cares. I, I I don't really know what the deal with his with her is. Um, but I just think in retrospect, her character doesn't line up very well. And I think maybe they did make changes for the better here. Um, but it also might be because I hadn't considered this before I wrote it down. It might just be that Scarlet Witch is going to do whatever we need Scarlet Witch to do. Yep. Plot, you know? Um, anyway, I just think it's interesting that she was changed so much. I don't know if they would have done the same thing if Quicksilver hadn't died, but I, they probably knew Quicksilver was going to die at the minute that they put him in the film. So maybe mm-hmm. they don't care, you know? I agree with all that. But I also really, really like Scarlet Witch in this. I think I I actually find her arc kind of interesting. I actually do buy into her change. I do buy into her thinking that her, you know, revenge fantasy kind of went off the deep end and now she's got to fix it. Um, I think her, she has some real cool badass moments when she stops the train, I think is cool. When she comes... The best shot in this film, the best scene is Ultron's first antagonism. But the best shot in this film is when she decides to suck it up and go join the fight and comes out of the doors and starts blasting robots. That is the best Mm -hmm. shot in the film. Which was also in the trailer a whole bunch. I just want to be really clear, though, that I like Scarlet Witch and I like the small amount of contribution to this film that she gave us. I just think that all of the changes are weird. Okay, yeah. No, I don't I don't disagree. That, that's all I'm saying is that everything that is different about her, it, it's like they're two different characters. It's like they rewrote her but we're like actually we like you Elizabeth Olsen. We just didn't like that version of Elizabeth Olsen. So be it's this like one. It's like how we completely changed how the reality stone works. Sure. Yeah. Don't exactly. ask questions. Um anyways, that's all I got for her. I also think it's kind of weird. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not a fan of the Maximoff twins in this movie just because I don't really care about them. I already said it earlier. I didn't really care when Quicksilver died. I don't necessarily care that much about Scarlet Witch in this movie. And that's not to say I don't care about her as a character. I just specifically think in this movie, she like, there was nothing interesting for her really to do. There was no, like you get a little bit of it, but not enough because they're, it feels like they're trying to juggle the villains so much that you can't really get enough feeling or motivation out of any of them. Like you understand, like I get it. Their parents got killed by Tony Stark. Like all that kind of makes sense, but you don't really get the anger from that or any of that. She just is immediately a bad guy. You don't ever feel the hurt of all these actions of Tony Stark. In fact, they don't really like, go after Tony Stark, even though it's literally his fault and they are the, he is the one that they are mad at. That's true. They never really fight him at all. They don't, which makes their whole moral compass and their whole reason for being on the bad guy's side unbelie- not believable because they don't actually yeah. go over to the person who they are upset with. I feel like you could have written a much better reason for them to mistrust the avengers yeah i think but the mcu knew that they could blame tony stark for anything (laughs) there is a really fantastic scene at the beginning of civil war of somebody talking about how their son died in sokovia and i care more about that person 
then I do care about the Maximoff twins in this because that person is more believable. They give me like, I can feel what they have and their emotion in there. And it's, it's, it's easier to relate to. Whereas the Maximoff twins, I don't, I don't feel anything for. They're just like, all right, well they're here because we needed more superheroes and we needed to make the new Avengers. Woo. Another action sequence ensues, uh, (laughs) you know, because this movie has a bajillion of them. Stark and Banner discover Jarvis survived as a backup. And they kind of begin to use him to activate the body made by Ultron. We get the creation of Vision with Thor striking the thing with Hammer. They're kind of like debating whether or not they should actually continue with it. Um, And Thor hits it with lightning and kind of activates Vision. Um, They kind of decide that Vision is going to be a good guy. He's got Jarvis's brain mixed with a little Tony, mixed with a little Bruce. Um, And he's kind of like an amalgamation of all three of them and then a little more. Um, Thor kind of talks about his vision um, and he told him the synthesoid would be needed for saving the world and that the stone is actually an infinity stone, the most powerful objects in the universe. Um, vision and Maximoff join the Avengers to find Ultron in Sokovia to try to stop him. They're, they're trying to stop him and Ultron who has Romanov uh, kind of tied up. He's like, Oh, check out this new body. Woo. Which I think that I actually really like that scene of him talking and then his new body ripping apart his old that body to show that was his a new serious body. Serious jump scare in the theaters. That is, yeah, yeah right. Like that. that was a very cool scene. There's mm. some more positive stuff. Yeah. Um, going back to the vision scene real quick, I think you left out something kind of important, which is how everyone decides that they trust Vision, because Steve especially is very very much does not trust him because he's like, how do I know you're not just Ultron? He goes, well, I'm, and and there's one line I do want to point out. He goes, I'm not Ultron and I'm not Jarvis. I am. And he stops. And I don't know how you all took that, but I took that as a biblical reference mm-hmm. because God says, I am like all the time. I am. And that, so it's almost like, is vision saying he's a God or is he, or is it like a Rene Descartes sort of thing? I am. I think therefore I am. That's all I took took it was like, he's just saying like, I'm not either of those. I just exist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think there's, there's several ways that could be interpreted. And he goes, he goes, I don't know how to make you trust me. He goes, but we need to go. And then he hands Thor Mjolnir and everyone just looks at him. And that for the longest time was one of my favorite in theater moments because (laughs) everyone, like my jaw just dropped. It's like, what? Yes, and, <laughs> but actually, yeah. on rewatch, I was I was very happy with the way that they handled that scene because a lot of scenes that people either cheered really loudly for or laughed really loudly for in Avengers, they uh-huh. put dialogue immediately during or after, and it was very hard to hear it while in the theater because everybody was geeking. But when uh-huh. Vision picks up Mjolnir and hands it to Thor, there's like 15 seconds of no talking. Which yeah. is great because they knew people were going to be yeah. really hype about it. Because uh, I just remember gasping and and then just Thor's reaction, like, okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yes, it, and it's great and it works in this film. Since this is a retrospective, the one thing I will say is the payoff in Endgame, I feel, is just a little weaker because it already happened in another film prior. I, I can see that. I, I think if that. you had the the wide range vision for where this whole thing was going to go, not having anyone pick up the hammer other than Thor until 
that moment in Endgame would have made that moment even cooler. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can I see that too. Maybe by like point oh oh one. Yes, right. We were I'm, we're taking it from ninety nine percent cool to one hundred percent cool, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we get that cool scene of Ultron ripping through his own body, and the Avengers arrive into Covia to confront Ultron, and we get the big kind of, the big battle, right? The big battle sequence that lasts for a very long time. Um, look. I saw this movie. I won a contest at a, a at my job, and my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, went and saw this movie at like we saw it early, and it was at like five in the morning. We saw it like crazy early. Um, I was very excited this movie for this movie. Waited in a little bit of a line, and at first we maybe made it really like twenty thirty minutes. We could get good seats. It was before you could reserve your seats, um, and during this action sequence, I fell asleep. In the theater, and did not wake up until the movie was over. I have said this probably a hundred times. I have a habit of saying the same things over and over again and forgetting I said them. But I know I have said this probably a hundred times that I fell asleep watching this movie. Um, And I also, I did not fall asleep while watching it as for the retrospective, but I had a hard time keeping my attention on the movie because I just, and I talked about this a little bit already, didn't care that much about the characters or what happened to them. And it, it made for a poor experience for me personally. I had a really hard time connecting with this movie. I had a really hard time wanting the characters to do anything. Like, like they just, it all seems so inconsequential, which is really interesting because Sokovia as like a thing is a very consequential thing for the rest of the MCU. But during the movie, it all just feels so like whoopee. Like <laughs> so I watch um I watch a decent amount of anime. And so in anime, most animes are written after a manga. They're written after like the, the comic book version. And what'll happen is the the anime will catch up to where the manga is. So to give them a break and to be able to give them some space so they can get more story, what the anime will do was they will write what's called a filler arc. They will write an arc that is inconsequential to the main story that shows the characters doing. It's basically like a side mission. In, in an anime so that the manga they have time to catch up the manga has time to kind of write more more um more issues so that they can then make that and kind of continue with the story that's what this felt like to me it felt like filler it felt like they needed something to be in the middle there and it just was this thing that was there in the middle and was it necessarily something that kind of crafted and, and and was very consequential for the universe. And that's with all of the things that happen. Like there's a lot of things that end up playing a big role later on, but man, they just make it really hard for you to care about anything that's happening. Yeah. And I agree with all that. I, that's what I mean when I say this movie is hollow. Like I, I'm not bored of it quite the way you are, but did action sequences to me just feel they're spectacular, but they don't feel interesting they don't feel compelling and the final threat that ultron comes with just feels like they couldn't think of what ultron would actually threaten the world with let's uh just have him make a meteor and it just it doesn't feel interesting and i have trouble exactly putting words to that i think he just did a good job of it it just feels vapid womp womp <laughs> <laughs> 
So the city takes off into the sky using an underground vibranium engines with Ultron revealing his intention to bring extinction with a meteor. He was, he's talked about meteors and how much he likes meteors throughout the movie. So it kind of makes sense that he wanted Sokovia to be its own little meteor. And we get more action. Um, Vision removes Ultron from the internet so they can finally take him out. And Banner rescues Romanov, who then shoves him into a pit to make him turn into the Hulk, which is also kind of a funny scene. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the Avengers fight off Ultron Sentry. So they, they're like hundreds of these like Ultron robots. And Peaches, I thought of you when I was watching this because this is another thing I don't care about is all of these little drones. Do you remember when we played through Diablo and our problem with playing that game yes. over and over again was that you felt so godlike in that game that just kind of got boring after a while. Like, right, it was can just relate. It was just Having played Diablo, out. can relate. It was just yeah. kind of too easy. And to be fair, if you play on the harder, like the insane difficulty, I think it gets a little bit more difficult. But um, for the most part, it's a game about, you know, kind of going through and you feel ultra powerful. But if you do that too much, it kind of waters down the experience. And that's how I felt during this fight scene. Like, did at any point you think any one of those drones was going to do literally anything to any of the Avengers. No, absolutely Other than run at them. Other than literally just run at them because they didn't do anything else. And they're like, oh, here's a bunch of Avengers. Let me do my, or a bunch of robots. Let me do my cool special move. Woo, special move. And then we get more of these robots blowing up. And it's just kind of the same robot blowing up over and over and over and over again. And man, it is just boring. Right, they're the putties from Power Rangers. They're the, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're the Foot Clan from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're, right. Yeah. It, it, I, I, I agree with your take on this, though. I will say that in every action sequence, as much as we're crapping on this movie, there are definitely really cool moments. Sure, I absolutely. Like I like when they're all kind of barricaded themselves yes around the tracking the shot around the core is all, a highlight yeah, of the film yeah. they're working together again they get the tracking yeah like that's another scene where cap and thor do a combo move and like vision mm -hmm. the one of the coolest vision scenes in the movie is him pushing his hands like ethereally through one of them and then separating him in the middle of his chest like it's a cool scene but i agree with you that it's just like enemy spam it's like right. <laughs> it's we're playing Diablo on super easy, and I've just, you know, attack, attack. attack right. Attack. It's Bioshock 2, the little sister. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. It just, it's just kind of boring sometimes, and I don't know. I, I think the, the movies have since done a really good job of making you feel like the villains can, like, can be a little bit more consequential, and it feels like more of a threat. Whereas this movie, I didn't think anybody was a threat the entire movie. I was like, all right, well, we're going to be, it's going to be the same thing and we're going to kill all these robots and it's just going to be the same thing kind of washed and repeated over and over again. And so I kind of found that. Right. I think the Black Order was a better approach for something for them to fight. Something that feels a little threatening is not nameless, faceless villain. Like they don't give the backstory of the Black Order, but they give you a little bit more than just a sea of bad guy. But the Black Order are actually terrifying, yes. right? Like the like creatures that are screaming, and there there's so many of them oh, yeah, that they're the killing themselves, are... going into the into the force field, and they break, they end up getting through, and they kind of scurry Squidward under. Squidward is there. They're mm -hmm. Squidward is there. It's actually interesting. Whereas these robots are just like, 
weird looking Iron Man clones that we've already killed a hundred of them. So you're very clearly not phased by right. them in any way. Whatsoever. I think I already said, maybe I said before, but I think I already said that I look at this film as like the same way I do the Star Wars prequels of it's an all right movie in a franchise I like, but it doesn't hold up to what I really like about the franchise. And the Star Wars prequels have the battle droids that exist just to give Jedi something to cut, which is at times cool. But then it gets, hey, what's, what is this accomplishing? Um, and I think this is the same thing here. So while this is all happening, S.H.I.E.L.D. shows up. They've got a helicarrier. They're like, we dusted this thing off. And, you know, just an entire helicarrier. Which is cool. And War Machine's there and he's helping. <laughs> it is cool. And War Machine's there uh-huh. and he kind of helps assist evacuating civilians. Um, Wanda, who was kind of scared at first, ends up, you know, getting her guts and she ends up uh, getting a pep talk from Hawkeye and she fights and helps keep Ultron away from the activation device for the jets. Um, Ultron takes the Quinjet, which I think is actually kind of cool. Um, and attempts to kill Hawkeye, uh, saving a civilian boy. Quicksilver, though, ends up biting the bucket. Oh, man. Biting the bucket. bucket. Kicking the bullet. (laughs) He kicked the bullet. He bit the bucket. Didn't didn't see that coming. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, So we all thought Hawkeye was going to die in this movie. He ended up not dying. And Chris, I think you're pretty happy about that with Hawkeye's portrayal in this movie. After Hawkeye spent most of Avengers brainwashed, it was great to actually get some characterization for him. So I, I enjoyed finding out more about his family and uh, finding out that he has this whole life that he's been hiding from us because he's not a character. We have gotten a chance to get to know like the rest of the movie had their own movies. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that that uh, that speech he gives to to Wanda there where he's like, look, the city's flying. There's a bunch of robots out there. I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. But if you step out there and you fight, you're an Avenger. If you stand here, that's fine. But come with, you know, and he kind of, you know, gets her to to embrace the hero that she can be. And uh and we get to see a little bit more of the relationship as it grows a bit in Civil War as well, which is which is nice. Um, yeah, so so it was nice to actually get some character growth for Hawkeye. I think Hawkeye is so boring in this movie. Oh my god! I find him so uninteresting. He is like like a lamp that has a cool feature. Yeah, he's got a bow and arrow, but at the end of the day, he's just a lamp. He is just a fixture in the background that has a farm and a wife and a family. Yeah. He is said the same thing about Pepper. What is your fascina- fascination with lamps? That's what I used to describe random things in the great. background. Do you want me to call him a bookcase instead? Will that make you feel better? Yeah, he's an interesting bookcase. Yes, he has a little He's full of stories. He has a little book that you can you can pull out and it'll reveal a secret door behind him. But the door is the interesting part, not him. Uh, okay. That one doesn't make that much sense. Um, but uh, I just don't find him that interesting. I don't really, I don't think he's that interesting of a character. I don't think Jeremy Renner's portrayal is necessarily that interesting either. I don't think he does actually that much with the character. I think he is there to support and I guess he plays that role well, but uh, it just, you can tell him all your feelings about this on his app. The app got taken <laughs> down. Yeah. That was the joke. That, uh, oh, I see. All right. I didn't interrupt my own joke by not finishing it. I just finished the joke. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't even tell you how wrong you are, so I won't. No, please I, tell I me just, how wrong I am. No, Why no, no. wasn't boring? For, let's save it for MVP. We can talk about it. Yeah, at okay. MVP because you spoiled my MVP. No, we didn't. <laughs> so Hulk throws I Ultron out of the Quinjet, then disconnects on Romanov attempting her lullaby and flies away. Um, that this is after important. never to be seen again. Never to be seen again. Uh, a grieving <laughs> Scarlet Witch removes Ultron's heart and kills his vibranium body. But Ultron switches to a sentry and activates the rockets with Wanda now distracted. She's clearly grieving over her dead brother. You can tell she had some sort of like psychic link with him because she knew the minute he died. Um, and to be honest, she fucked up there. Like Wanda just about destroyed the world because she couldn't get over her dead brother. Hey, you know uh, what? You, we're we're really inching into it was all Star Lord's fault territory right now, and yeah. give her I'm a break. Her brother just down. died. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will fight anybody who's on that team Same. anyway. Okay, well, this is good because I thought I was alone <laughs> on that team. No, it's apparently going to be three against um, one when we get to Infinity War. Okay. All right. Uh, Thor and Stark work to shatter the rockets, averting impact, and Vision destroys the last Ultron Sentry. Now, Chris, and now that I've read yes. the other notes, okay, something about Man of Steel. <laughs> Go. Okay. Well, so. This movie came out, what is a year, about a year after Man of Steel? Was Man of Steel 2013? I know it was right. a reaction yeah, to Man of Steel. After, like, it was obviously uh, a reaction. Yes. So, so Man of Steel, which is not a movie I care for. Um, and it's funny because at the time I was like, oh, Superman's okay. And actually, partly because I didn't like that movie, it made me like Superman more, if that makes any sense. Because I started to appreciate what Superman is supposed to represent. He's kind of like Captain America, only with... Thor powers and vision powers and all the other powers. He's not grim, dark man of murder. Yeah, exactly. And, and man of steel made him grim, dark man of murder. And most notoriously in the climax of that movie where he and general Zod end up leveling, not just metropolis, but smallville, they fight in two cities and pretty much destroy them both. And, and I, we talked about it in the Avengers episode, I, how it is very deliberately playing with 9-11 imagery and it's just depressing and if we had a justice league podcast i would i would go on and on about how between that and then later batman v superman how they not only they they took the implicit hey superman ruined everything of man and steel made it made it explicit in batman v superman and then justice league decided to pretend Superman means hope, and we need to we need to save hope him. starts with an uh, S or H. Stupid. Yeah, right. You know, and yeah, because yeah, because even a man is still he had that. Oh, the S stands for hope. Uh, uh, the symbol represents hope, and there's nothing hopeful about him in that movie. It's it's just depressing. And again, Superman is not the sort of superhero who lets there be collateral damage. So in the climax, the climax of Age of Ultron. It's a tower defense game, first of all, where they're trying to protect the core. <laughs> but aside from that, that whole ac action sequence is about them rescuing civilians. The whole thing is them rescuing civilians. The helicarrier shows up and they have a way to get everyone to the helicarrier so that they can save. Reducing casualties as much as possible. Uh, we even saw a little bit in the Hulkbuster scene where 
before Tony throws the Hulk into a building, he makes sure that building is abandoned. Uh, and then he buys the building and then he destroys it. Uh, <laughs> But it is very deliberately showing the Avengers saving people. And it just felt very much because there had been a lot of discourse about Man of Steel and all of, you know, Superman punching Zod through buildings and not caring. And, you know, what are superheroes supposed to be so that the Avengers took the time to save people. I just thought that was a very interesting choice. And then, of course, we see the fallout of it in Civil War where they couldn't save everybody because you can't save everybody mm-hmm. in a situation like that. There's going to be casualties. They did their best. They saved probably thousands of people, but there are some people that weren't saved and that, uh, and that's, that's the tragedy. Uh, but, but it was very interesting that that was what they chose to focus on rather than the punching robots. Yeah. And I like it. it it's absolutely a move that I like. I will yeah. say, I feel like they went a little bit too far in response because like, those death totals in civil war are absurd and like in the i don't believe that way like this Uh destruction that i've seen in these movies feels like yeah more than a couple people would have died and i feel like it kind of a it reduces the stakes a bit and b makes it feel as though um it kind of almost takes me out of the movie and makes me think oh yeah they're saying not many people died because this isn't man of steel i think there's a happy medium somewhere in the middle that they didn't strike that said i completely agree with you the hope and the heroism of saving civilians um is a choice that i'm glad they made yeah my other my other big thought on this movie is exactly this but i did not know that they were kind of responding to man of steel in that way I hadn't thought about the fact that a lot of the time in this movie, they were concerned about saving civilians. So that is cool. But visually, one of my big takeaways was there is an ungodly amount of destruction to buildings in this movie compared to a lot of the other MCU films, like not just the ones before it, but in general, there's just Mm -hmm. a lot of building destruction in this movie. And it did remind me of man of steel in that way. Like I'm glad that they did, like now that you said that i can see it like i can i can reel back and see it but at the same time it's like man they just wanted to blow stuff up i thought it was interesting i I don't know i you thought it was i'm also not a i'm also not a huge fan of man of steel but also like Uh, i I didn't to be to be fair i didn't think too deep into this scene honestly it was hard for me to stay awake the second time so Peaches, you and I have a friend who considers Man of Steel the best superhero movie I don't want to hear about 4chan. B, I want to know who that is so I can... (laughs) No, you and I have a friend. No, I'm telling you preemptively. I don't care what 4chan thinks. And I'm telling you I want to know who that (laughs) friend is so we can unfriend. Don't tell me. Uh, Gustavo. What? Wow. Sorry for yelling. (laughs) I'm I'm so sorry, listeners. Okay, (laughs) let's wrap it up. So... The aftermath happens. Thor, he goes home. He's like, you know what? The Infinity Stone is safe with Vision. We're good. So he goes home. Hulk, nowhere to be found. We don't know where Hulk is. Uh, Tony, he's like, you know what? I think I'm going to cool it on these whole, this whole Avengers thing. I'm going to go do my own thing for a while. I'm kind of like Avengered out. And so... Remember when I said I was retiring in Iron Man 3? I mean it this time. <laughs> and so we're left with Romanov and Rogers training the new Avengers, which include the Vision, War Machine, Falcon, and Scarlet Witch. 
And sort of the movie closes on them at their new um, upstate New York facility, which we will get a little bit more of in Ant-Man. And we get the post-credit scene where Thanos is like, I'll do it myself. And then he gets the Infinity Gauntlet, kind of holds it. And then that's the last time we see weird grimace-looking Thanos before we get the, like... His eyes were so blue. Yeah, they really change yeah. his look for Infinity War. I was thrown off yes. by how there weren't two after-credit scenes in this. Same. Movie. Yeah. Um, well, and also, if I'm not mistaken, it's a mid-credit it's scene. A, There's no after-credit scene. Mid-credits, yeah. yeah, it's like an almost immediate post, post-movie post end. Yeah. So, MVP, guys. You guys go ahead and gush about all the same characters. Let's go in order here. So, I... <laughs> I don't see. I put Hawkeye here, and I said and or Vision. But to be completely honest, it is sort of hard to pick an MVP from this movie because it's just we've already talked about how meh the movie is all around, uh, and everybody has cool things here and there. It's not like everybody's boring. It's just the movie as a whole is kind of boring, and I gave it to Hawkeye because it really is like if if Hawkeye had a movie this would be his movie. It would like it. He's got a big part in it. You learn a lot more about him as a character. You learn why he's important to the Avengers. It's not because he has good sharpshooting skills and he wields bow and arrow. Anybody can do that asterisk, but you know, he's a valuable member of the team regardless because he is the glue that holds some of the team together. And, you know, without him, they wouldn't have had a safe house. He wouldn't, you know, Scarlet Witch might have not helped at all. He he contributed a lot to the movie, and I give it to him. But if I didn't give it to Hawkeye, I'd just give it to Vision because I like Vision a lot as a character from the comic book and the MCU perspective, and he has super cool go-through-things powers. Super cool go-through-things powers. Yeah, yeah. I um, Robbie, go I ahead. think it's interesting what you were talking about with, with each person having um, something cool they do. We have – most of us have – for every movie he's been in had Captain America be the MVP. And I one thing I was struck by in this movie is just how boring Captain America is in a movie, which I feel like is hard to do in the MCU at this point. Uh, and that's to the whole film. People are kind of boring. So my MVP doesn't mean he was standing out from a great set. It more means he stood on top of a boring set. But I agree with you. It's Hawkeye um, for pretty much all the reasons you've said. Um, he's not only... Uh, the most interestingly developed character in the film. He's important to the progress of the plot in some neat ways. Um, I'm real close to taking Scarlet Witch because she's got some great moments, but it's, it's Hawkeye. Chris. Yeah. Uh, no, thinking about it actually just now, the, the only characters you can pick are the characters that actually had arcs. And <laughs> unlike Avengers, where it felt like every single character had a, had a story arc from beginning to end. And, uh, Civil War has the same thing where every character has an arc. Some of them are small arcs, some of them are big, but they all have them. That doesn't really happen in this movie. Hawkeye has one. Wanda has one. Tony has one. I think that's... Oh, I guess, I guess, I guess Nat and Bruce sort of Quicksilver have one. Quicksilver has one. But Quicksilver has one. <laughs> it's just very quick. Uh, very fast. Um... Steve doesn't, which is very strange. Yes. The, like nothing about him changes from beginning to end. It's very, very unusual. What? Um, but if, I, don't, I don't mean this to sound snarky. I am genuinely curious because I don't 
remember or know it. What is Hawkeye's arc in this movie? Well, it, it's more about like you're discovering because at the beginning you have him. You, there's the crack about him about oh your girlfriend won't be able to tell the difference. Oh, I don't have a girlfriend. And then later on he's talking on the phone. Who's that? Oh, it's your girlfriend. And then it is revealed to us that oh he has this family and and we're we're discovering more about right. his story. What makes him tick? And it's about him sort of coming into the realization because he even has that conversation with his wife where, where she worries about, she goes, you know, I look at it, these gods and these, these superheroes. And he goes, Oh, you think they don't need me? And she goes, no, I know they do. And that's culminated when he gives sort of a thematically similar speech to Wanda, which spurs her on to, embrace the hero as well and it's about him even though he doesn't have powers his power is that he's better at bow and arrow than you and everyone else um but it it is about how how he fits in as an avenger what makes him an avenger and that's that's why i like him in this movie you don't really get to say that about him in any other movie but it does set him up nicely for being like an anti-hero in uh, the Infinity War saga. Yes. And I don't think his arc in this is about his character growth. It's about us learning about him. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of a, it's sort of a reverse arc because it's like, yeah. here's all the growth you didn't know about. And it's revealed to us as an audience. So we kind of go on that journey of learning. And it's like, it's more like a, 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 a long form reveal, I guess. We're the ones who grew as characters. Yeah. We grew. Maybe the real Sarah, characters were the memories we made along the way. <laughs> I knew it was there. I it, it was is. it was right there. <laughs> uh, All right, y'all. Clockwork. It's time for my MVP. Yeah. I can't wait for this. This is a Thanks. really interesting one because I have talked a lot of shit about this character. A lot of shit. Uh specifically in this character's very own movies. Um So my MVP for this movie is actually going to be Tony Stark. I think of all of the arcs that we talk about in this movie, Tony Stark has the best one. And I think this is the first movie that I've seen Tony Stark in. And he wasn't a dick in this movie. He was kind of nice to everyone. He he invented Ultron. Yeah, but he didn't do that. Uh, He wasn't like, I'm going to invent Ultron to kill the world. He was like, I want to save people. I want to do something Good. My problem with Tony Stark and all of his other movies is how mean he is to everyone and how everyone is just like, ha ha, that's just the way Tony is. He's an asshole. We love him. And I just, I don't like that. I don't find that genuine. Um, but I find it a little bit more genuine because I actually feel like his character has progressed somewhat in this movie. My One of my other big problems with the other movies is I don't feel like his character progresses. He does the same thing over and over again. He's like, I'm a bad person. Let me learn how to be a better person. Beginning of the next movie. I'm a bad person again. Let me be, let me learn how to be a better person. And he kind of does that thing over and over again. Whereas this movie, I feel like we actually got some fruits of that labor i feel like we actually got some actual progression of his character he learned from it he's trying to help people he's trying to do something for people and yeah he makes mistakes along the way but he doesn't do it by you know snarking at people or being mean or doing any of the things that he had done before he has learned and his character has progressed i think i'm gonna find myself being a lot more positive on phase this movie forward tony than i was on phase one and beginning of phase two tony Okay. And that is my reasoning. Yeah. That's interesting. I do not All disagree. Right. I like that. 
Yeah, no, that's uh, that's solid reasoning. And welcome to the I like Tony Stark. <laughs> Finally, about time. Finally, yeah. all right. How does this movie fit in the MCU? I've already kind of touched on it when I called it an anime filler. What do you guys think? Um, I mean, it sets up Civil War. Yeah, other than that, it's just kind of there. It, <laughs> it it's very forgettable. There are weirdly, there are weirdly, and I, and I'm sorry for bringing this up and not having examples, but. I noticed watching it, there are weirdly a lot of Marvel callbacks um, as far as dialogue goes in this movie. I know when they were teasing the title of Endgame, they said that the title of the movie, the subtitle of the movie was something that was said in Infinity War. But actually, they say Endgame in this movie. Yeah. Tony points up at the sky and says, that's the Endgame. Yep. Um, and I found a lot of moments like that. Um, so maybe they pulled some dialogue because they were like, hey, nobody will remember the dialogue in this movie because they all hated it. Um, but I think it sets well, up Civil War well. Yeah, it sets up Civil War and even even Endgame because that conversation, that's also when uh, when Tony says, how are we supposed to face that? And, and Cap says, together. And he goes, we'll lose. And Cap says, we'll do that together too. Yep. And then that is... That comes back to haunt him. Yeah, my reaction is more how it could have fit in the MCU. I'm completely disappointed that Ultron is introduced and in a couple days he's wiped off the face of the planet. Whereas I don't think the idea of Ultron continuing to exist in this universe would be a problem that would need to necessarily be stopped and worried about. In, In the comics, Ultron disappears and then rebuilds himself and comes back. And I feel like that could have been. I think Ultron could have fit in somewhere else in the MCU. I, something we've talked about previously is that we've gotten to a place in um, comic book films where we don't think, gotta kill off the villain. And despite the fact that he has lips and teeth, I think it would have been okay to not kill off Ultron. Just stop him for a while. But other than that, mm-hmm. not a lot. I mean, pointing out that the scepter is a is a uh, Infinity Stone was kind of a important part of building the mcu but yeah mostly i forget about this and don't rewatch it yeah and it's the tesseract they pointed that out in this one too did we not yeah you're right we didn't already know that they had it well no they they said it in dark world they explicitly said the tesseract was one yeah yeah oh yeah because um oh you don't yeah, want to have the end two, of dark world, you don't want to have two, two infinity, infinity stones in the same place Oh, yeah, okay. he, yeah, he says well, we have the tesseract there. They vis- they at least visually show the four that we yes. have seen so far. Yeah, and, and one of them breaking out, or at least existing in its containment vessel. And we do find out that Thor is aware of what happened in Guardians of the Galaxy because he says this is the fourth Infinity Stone to show up in the last few years. Right. Yeah, and and it's the first that we hear that someone is playing at getting all six, yeah. and that is the first that they say that. And um, yeah, just stack some dominoes up. Yeah, if nothing yeah, else. you know. But that's the thing is that there is a lot of setup in this movie. Yeah, you know, between that setting up Civil War, um, <laughs> the Sokovia Accords, you know, all of that. You know, there there's a lot of consequence that spins out of this, but it doesn't necessarily feel consequential in the moment for that particular for this particular film. So. So I guess we all agree with Eduardo is that it's filler <laughs> for, yes. for more movies. Yeah. It's, it's like filler plus because, right. because again, this movie does have consequences, but for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like it at the time. Right. Yeah. 
It's like afterwards, like, okay, here's how we're going to make that. You would be fine with getting those consequences in a quick synopsis and not through watching the whole movie. Right. Uh, So let's go to our rankings. Robbie, I'm sorry, our ratings. Um, Let's start with Chris, actually. Chris, since you're going to have the hottest take out of all of us, what's your rating for this movie? If this counts as a hot take, (laughs) oh boy. I gave it seven unworthy elevators out of ten. All right. I gave it 6.5 smaller people out of 10. I will just say that I gave it six and a half broken omelets out of 10. And I gave Age of Ultron six and a half heartless plots out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) I think Uh, it's interesting that we all uh, all rated it the same. Um, So I guess our rankings are are interesting. I uh, ended up putting it... I'm not going to go through everything at this point. We've got too many. For me, it's only ahead of Incredible Hulk, Thor, The Dark World, and Iron Man 2. Um, it, it's it's kind of, as we start to set up tiers, I think Captain America is what I have immediately ahead of it, but Captain America is on its own tier. This is quite clearly behind Captain America. So I find this interesting, is that not only did we rate this out of 10 very mm-hmm. similarly, but if you look at all of our lists, we all have it, and I'm just going to ruin everybody else's. We all have it fourth yep. from the end. Yeah. Huh. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's all fourth from the end for all of us. I think it's like, it just fits into that. It's not the worst one in the franchise so far. I'd watch it over a couple of other ones, but it exists. So for me, it's fourth from the end. And then it's Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor 2. Uh. As was already spoiled, mine is fourth from the <laughs> end, ahead of Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, and Thor the Dark World. And mine's it's ahead of Iron Man 2, Hulk, and Dark World. This is... We disagreed a lot for ultimately agreeing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting, isn't it? Maybe they just put so many unlikable things in the movie that... We all had was, different unlikable you know, it's like things. You do... Yeah, it's like, here, let me give you this nice gift that everybody can enjoy a little bit of, but it was the opposite. Here's an awful gift that you can all dislike for different reasons. <laughs> well, seriously, the thing is that I don't, th- you know, we're, you're, we're all, you're calling it awful, but no. but we all seem to agree that it was just yeah. all right. right. No, I know. I, but I all right is not what right. you want out of an Avengers movie, and I think Ultimately, that's that's what it boils down to. I agree. Ultimately, it was more about being disappointing yeah. than being bad. Well, and we're, we are running into the same issues that we had when we first watched the movie. We were coming off of highs that are The Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy, which are two of the best movies in the entire MCU, in my humble opinion. Um, and so... No, we all agreed. I can see the rankings right here. <laughs> two of the <laughs> best movies in the MCU, and then you get Age of Ultron, which is fourth from last. Like... There have been enough movies in the MCU now where we can definitively say, hey, this movie just doesn't kind of cut it with the standard that we are currently used to. Um, and that, you know, Thor of the Dark World is another one in there that's just, it feels like an anomaly at this point. Like, how did they let it get so low? Um, and Peaches, I remember you specifically talking about how you never thought you'd rank a movie lower than you did before, but you've ranked this one pretty low. I don't know if it's necessarily lower from the bar that you thought you would, but this is ranked pretty low. Where did I... Th- uh, looking at the list of where everything else is, I think it fits where I expected it to fit. Um, I, You know what? I kind of had like a little bit of hope that I would go back and watch this movie and forget about the whole over-advertising thing. But it's just one of those things that I just... Uh, 
for whatever reason, I can't let go of. Like that escape room that we never finished. <laughs> the one escape room that I didn't break out of. I still think about that to this day for no reason. <laughs> Maybe this is just one of those things that I'll always have in the back of my mind. But it is what it is, you know? It's just a movie at the end of the day. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required and MCU Retrospective. We're going to see what's going to happen with the next episode. Maybe you'll get an Ant-Man episode. Maybe you'll get a bonus episode. Who knows? Just know that next week we're going to be right back here talking all things Marvel. But that's going to do it for us. Peaches. You can find him at D underscore Peaches. Robbie, Phil Kid 3 Chris, GatorSax2010, and myself at ABCD Eduardo one That's going to do it for us. We'll every 3,000. See ya. Celsius. Hail Hydra. myself here every night eating a leg of mutton of juices dripping down my bare chest wiping my fingers on the walls stark jarvis i imagine people would set down their coats and symbolically their inhibitions this was the gateway you enter this room a lawyer a doctor a teacher a judge but beyond it you're simply a penis a vagina hunger an ache who sent you we can talk about names all day. Our favorite names, silly made-up names, normal names said in a silly voice. Wouldn't that be nice? I am so tired of the Black Eyed Peas. It's rock and roll for people who don't like rock and roll. It's rap for people who don't like rap. It's pop for people who don't like pop. Why they had coconut, I miss original.